The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Hello, this is Zach Saber Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Alongside the young boy, Josh Smith it's the young boy, and I'm not on the untelevised undercard. Main event, baby. <laughs> and with that, I'd like to just say, go Inokiism. <laughs> on today's show, we'll be reviewing Fighting Spirit Unleashed, naming the September match of the month and September wrestler of the month, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly into your email inbox. Also, make sure you check out our friends at purezuroad.com. All right, young boy. Fighting Spirit Unleashed was last night on live on New Japan World. You can catch the replays Friday on Access, but I don't know why you would do that when you can just get New Japan World. You can just stream it, baby. You can just stream it like I did today. Uh, so yeah. So overall, what do you what do you think about this card, man? Um, you know. I do regret not having watched all of it live. Um, you know what I mean? Um, I do feel like I probably missed out on some of the excitement, especially with it being a, a New Japan card that was presented live, like in our time zone. Right. Um, you know, I may or may not have allowed outside interference. <laughs> I might have allowed some uh, some uh, t- some uh, Suzuki Goon. Uh, <laughs> Shenanigans to uh, get in the way of that one, but um, I did actually. I got to see a couple of the matches uh, live, and then I had to I had to go to sleep because I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, um, I thought that the show was really, really, really good. Um, I would say that this is the best U.S. card they've done. Yeah, I think yeah, from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, there was some really great stuff on the first uh, the first two. The U.S. title tournament. Yeah, the U.S. title tournament was great, and both of those cards were very strong, but, I mean, overall, it's just a a top-to-bottom New Japan show. Um, This one was, you know, this was pretty representative of of New Japan, and I thought that that was great. Um, That being said, I still think that there was some 
some you know detractions, some some things I can nitpick here and there. But yeah. this is, a, I mean, this show was better than it had any right to be. I know it's funny. Uh, you know, I was watching it live with our boy Rich Latta from One Nation Radio. What's up, Rich? What's up, Rich? And, you know, he was like, man, when they were showing the cards, like, man, so many tag matches. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tag matches, but they're all going to be good. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between, you know, other products when they throw out a tag match. You know what's, what's happening. You know, they got the shine, the cutoff, comeback heat. You know, the same, you know, the formula they use in tag match. But here, man, it, it, you know, it's not to say that New Japan doesn't have formulaic things that go on because they absolutely do. And I mean, anyone who who watches New Japan, you you know, obviously there are certain tropes, there are certain things that you come to expect. Uh, but at the same time, they're really good. Right. The it, matches are just really they're good. They're really good. And so even though, yeah, there was a bunch of you know tags and six man tags matches, I they're, mean, they were all good. What do, what do you what are you gonna like you know for instance I mean I don't want to detract but there are other large companies you know WWE Impact you know uh, Ring of Honor other like US branded shows that people follow and I'm not saying that they're awful but you get a lot of bad stuff and then you get a show like this from New Japan and it's like yeah maybe not everything that's happening is forwarding storylines story even though there was a lot of storyline forwarding yeah. um, and maybe not everything is life and death but at the same time I mean how can you complain about nothing but you know there's nothing beneath three stars yeah did you have any problem with all the Ring of Honor guys on the under undercard I've heard a lot of complaints of people um yeah. They're, they're kind of disappointed that there were so many Ring of Honor guys on the card. It felt more of like a Ring of Honor co-branded show than a full New Japan show. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say that that is the case, but I don't think that those are unfounded complaints, especially from, you know, those fans who are maybe a little more gatekeepery about New Japan right. or, you know, those those fans who just simply want New Japan to come over and it to be New Japan. But at the same time, I mean, look at who was here. ACH, that's a guy who was in the uh, Best of Super Juniors this past year. Um, you know, Flip Gordon also Flip in the Best Gordon. of Super Juniors. Uh, Jeff Cobb, he challenged Goto for the Never title. Yeah, he, he, he's been in uh, New Japan and done tours with them. Same thing with, like, you could say the best friends, but I mean, I, like, Trent is a New Japan star. Chucky e. T has been featured all year. Yeah. Um, he was in, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you could have that like complaint, but I mean, at the top, you didn't really run into that at the top of the card. I mean, I think the one the one team where you might be like, well, what are they doing there? Is like maybe say SCU. Yeah, and I have a feeling we'll see those guys in the tag league. Maybe, possibly. I don't know about that for sure, but I mean, at the same time, it's you know, they're in they're in SoCal, okay. SCU. 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 Um, but that's like the one team that's not like prominently featured. They're not doing tours, but I mean everybody else that was on this uh, you know, I think the I think the big thing is that people when they want New Japan to come over, they don't want it to be an Americanized version of it. You know? Right. Um we're gonna talk about it later, but I mean that's been a it's not just the fans who feel this way. I mean did you get a chance to, to check Tanahashi out? Tanahashi and Okada talking about this kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, they both they both brought this up and they both talked about how, uh, you know, New Japan is almost presenting a, a somewhat westernized version of their product here in the U.S. And I, I don't think that that's unfounded. I think it's probably true. I do think that there is some disconnect between the office and what they think we'll draw here, what they think we want. 
I mean, they gave us Billy Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But they've, they've made some strides since then, though. They have. They have. But at the same time, I think that there is a little bit of a disconnect where they... They do think that people over here are Bullet Club fans. Yeah. That's what they think. They think everyone here is just Bullet Club fans. And, you know, these these people like us who are doing podcasts that were just marks for, for that brand and not so much New Japan. And so they're trying to, like, cash in on that when what they fail to realize is that, like, diehard, like, New Japan fans don't want to see this become an American, a westernized version of New Japan. We want, like, an authentic New Japan show. I feel like this was closer um, in all reality than any other show that they've given us so far, though. Yeah. Here in the U.S. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that we're getting, like, you know, something that's King of Pro Wrestling level or anything like that. But, I mean, even look at the main event. I mean, Golden Lovers against, you know. Ishii and Okada. I mean, yeah. that's probably something that would, m- m- um, you know, more than likely headline, say, a Cork and Hall show. Right. Um, but, I mean, that's better than getting, you know, Cody and Kenny, which is something that could headline pretty much anywhere in any company here in the U.S. and not have a authentic New Japan feel to it. Whereas, like, I mean, it doesn't get much more New Japan than, than that tag team match. Yeah, you know? I mean, you have four of the you know top guys in the company in there. I mean, what do you what do you think? Like, what, where where do you stand when it comes to that whole thing? And and how big was the outcry from fans about this? Because I mean, I'm not. On uh, like you. I don't think it, it wasn't as big. It wasn't like you know there wasn't a bunch of people tweeting about it, but I did see some comments about it and some other podcasts uh, mentioning it. Um, and to me, I, I do understand the complaints. You know, they want they don't want this to be westernized, but at the same time, you they brought in guys that we've seen in New Japan rings before. Uh, yeah. And guys that we're probably going to see in the future based on the tours that are coming up. So I didn't really have a problem with it. I mean, all the guys I brought in are solid, um, had solid performances. We have a we, we have what a junior tag league coming up. We've got a world tag league, league coming up. I'm assuming that a lot of these, you know, a lot of these Western stars, and not all of them are Ring of Honor guys, by the way. Yeah, ACH is a you know MLW AAW yeah guy. Yeah, and I mean, um, he's probably the only one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, well, at the same time, it's like, you know, Flip has been all over the Indies. I think he's becoming more and more, uh, you know, fixed to Ring of Honor. Right. But, you know, I, I do have to say one thing. I want to put a retraction out there. A few weeks ago, we had kind of reported that Jeff Cobb was signed to Ring of Honor. It doesn't appear that that actually is the case. He's working with them, but he's not signed for... He's like, he doesn't have an exclusive right. and uh, I think, contract. I, I think he can't right now because of the, the deal with what's going on with uh, Lucha Underground and, like, the Ironclad Co- yeah, contract yeah, they have. Yeah, I did hear him mention something about that, like, um, with, uh, you know, Matanza is still on there. Yeah. So as long as that character is still going with this current season, I think he's kind of locked down right now. Right. But, you know, with that being said, um, you know, he's a guy. I mean, he just won Bola. So, I mean, he's still all over the place. He's wrestling in, you know, Ireland and England and Australia and Japan and probably going to go to Mexico. Who knows? You know, so. Um, Yeah. But, but, I mean, I thought that this show was fantastic. I, I really, really did. I thought it was a great watch. Uh, you know, as we like to say, it was on pace. Yes, it definitely it was on pace. All night it was on pace, and yeah. it, it didn't fail to, uh, you know, to deliver. Yeah, so let's uh, start uh, 
going through this card here. So the night opened up with Rocky Romero, Show and Yo, Rapungi 3K, taking on the team of Jushin Thunder Liger, Super ACH, and Risuke Taguchi. So Rapungi 3K versus a uh, kind of a Team Taguchi Japan team here. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought this was a really, really fun opener. You know, Taguchi doing the hip attack stuff. You know, Rocky Romero can be a clown, you know, doing his forever lariats. Uh, ACH is another guy that can be a, kind of a comedy guy sometimes. And But in between all the comedy stuff, a lot of great high-flying action, um, high-paced, you know. Absolutely. Um, ACH was, to me, someone that really impressed. Um, I, he always impresses everywhere he goes, but... He seems to thrive in these like spot fest sort of like tag matches. Like the stuff he does is just it just comes off as being so dynamic. Um, the way he moves in the ring and everything like that. I would, like obviously he can work a, a main event. We've seen we saw him work two really great main events at the AAW card that we attended. Yeah. But at the same time, like when you have certain guys that just when that hot tag comes in and they're just great. You know, I, we talk about Nick Jackson having one of the best hot tags. ACH is a freaking awesome hot tag, man. Like, the stuff he's doing, I was like, holy crap. And yeah. He had a crossbody to the outside that he landed on Rocky. And the way he landed it, I thought he was just, like, going to bite it. But he just came right up. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, ACH is freaking amazing. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind that he's not signed for a full-time deal in a bigger company right now. I, I'm not too, too surprised by that right you know, right now. But, I mean, he, he, he's getting so much exposure coming on these New Japan cards. And, um, you know, I think that the, the future is very bright for ACH. He's still a young guy. So, I mean, um, one thing I did want to touch on is we did not know how the tickets were going to sell for this card. We did not know what the attendance was going to be like. And when this match started... Oh my gosh, like a sea of yellow, dude. Yeah, there was a lot of empty seats. There was a lot of empty seats, and that, when I saw that, it took, like, so I came in late last night, I was out in Orlando, doing my thing, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I came home, and, you know, you and Rich are in here like fools, just like, (laughs) making a ruckus, but, like, by the time I came in, I think, like, the Young Bucks match was starting, and it looked like a pretty decent crowd. So when I turned this on today, and I was like, what happened? And I, I guess just people hadn't started getting there yet. Right. Um, post, post-intermission, post it definitely looked more uh, filled up than pre-intermission. Do you, I know that they had issues um, previously, because I remember I was listening to, I think it was Wrestling Omikaze on the... Uh, Voices of Wrestling. Voices of Wrestling Network, which they have a, they have got a really good... If you're into Puro, they've got a really good podcast. Um I don't follow all the stuff that they follow, but they had mentioned that they were at that show uh, back in March and that one of the biggest issues was merch, that everyone everyone was that was there was trying to get merch. And, I mean, we've experienced that. We were at All In, and, you know, we saw how hectic that could be. And they were mentioning that people weren't even getting to their seats until, like, halfway through the show because of how, how long the lines were. Yeah. I think that that could definitely be something that um, contributed to it. Yeah, I'm sure. Because, I mean, it was more filled after... You know, intermission. So clearly, there were people who were getting merch all through that beginning part of the show. And at this point, you you, you would think they know that people want to buy merch. Wrestling fans love to buy merch, especially this particular fan base. Yeah. I think that this fan base is more prone. I could be wrong here, but it, it from the reports, you know, this 
18 to what are we like 34 yeah like demographic of wrestling fans we have expendable incomes we'll, we'll obviously we'll, we'll fly across the country to go watch a wrestling show right. um and we buy merch we'll, we'll fill our closet full of black t-shirts uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's not like mom and dad like I, I feel like a lot of wrestling fans are um kids who maybe their parents didn't get them what they wanted growing up so yeah now they're dude like, when i was a kid i wasn't i barely got any wrestling shirts now i'm like <laughs> time to stack up <laughs> oh man i had so many wrestling shirts i remember one time my parents uh did not want me so it was like school picture day and i i had this, <laughs> i had this one wrestling shirt i wore like every day because i was just a grody little kid and i always wore bill goldberg who's next shirt and it was like his face and it said like who's next under it and my parents were like you cannot wear that shirt and i was like why and like they didn't want me to or whatever so they like put me in like a polo and a vest <laughs> and i packed that crap in my bag switched it out I switched it. <laughs> you worked them <laughs> Oh and then, man! Uh, yeah, I pulled some twin magic, dude. Young, then, young, young boy was out here working his parents. Yo, you have no idea how much trouble I got to. <laughs> I got into when those pictures came. <laughs> first off, first off, not only was I wearing that shirt, but second off, it was like you know they wanted me to have my hair like nice and. I went out like during lunch and I played like football. My hair was like just sticking all over the place, and I was in this like phase where I didn't smile, so I'd like have this weird side smirk, and my parents would be. So when that picture came out, I'm like looking all dirty. I got dirt all over my hair, and I'm I, and I'm so proud because I got my like Bill Goldberg like shirt on. Oh my god! Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, dude. I used to have the uh, an NWO Wolfpack where it had like Sting, Macho Man, like Luger, Nash on it. My parents got me this like four pack where I had like a DDP. It, it was weird. We, they bought a four-pack where we got these mugs, mm -hmm. and all the mugs had the same logo on it that the shirt came in, and the shirt would be in the mugs. And I got a DD, DDP shirt, like a, uh, like the bang. I got uh, a Kevin Nash shirt that said Big Sexy on it. <laughs> and my family was like, or I remember like going to school, but like it was weird. For some reason, the, the way the logo looked, I didn't realize it said Big Sexy, and people were like, oh, oh, oh you were in a Big Sexy shirt. And like they didn't even know who like Kevin, Kevin Nash, Nash was. Yeah. And I was like, He's in the wolf pack. <laughs> Have you seen him? <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> like, good at what? <laughs> Give him that big boot. Yeah, dude. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, man, you would think at this point they would, you know, get more merch tables. You know, I, I also have to wonder, maybe, you know, I don't think that this was a traveling crowd from what a lot of the reports are saying. You know, there, right. there didn't seem to be a lot of buzz. And I think a lot of it had to do with the announced, you know, card when, you know, that's a big criticism. We didn't. We didn't do a preview show last week because we didn't have a card until, what, Tuesday? Wednesday? Uh, they, they dropped the card like midnight, like right after we got done recording, <laughs> they dropped the card. Yeah, so it's like y you guys dropped the card, but it's like th that's a very problematic thing. That's a very – well, two things I want to say. One, I think there's a good chance that maybe certain wrestling fans might not have shown up until after intermission because they didn't care about most of the card. Like, like just like Rich was saying, there's a lot of tag matches. There's a lot of, like, so... I mean, how many people are, like, trying to get out of their way to go see, you know, all these ROH guys when the draw is to see New Japan? And it's like, you know, at the top of the intermission, you had, what, Bucks and um, G.O.D.? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Skrull, no, Skrull and Osprey was the first match after intermission. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, okay. 
Gotcha. So, yeah, when Skrull Osprey tag title match and then the Golden Lovers match. I just feel like if, if there are certain wrestling fans who are like only going to show up for the matches that matter, you might only show up, say, when the Bucks defend their titles. And maybe you missed the early part of the show. You know what I mean? Right. So I think there's a good chance that that was going on. But I, I want to touch on this um, real quick. So, you know, we I understand from a kayfabe perspective why they don't promote certain shows, you know, ahead of time. Because they don't want to give away the results of a show, you know, because, it like, destruction, ha- like destruction hadn't occurred yet. And right. The destruction results are going to determine what potentially happens on, say, like, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Right. Like, they, they couldn't announce, like, Ghetto and, Ghetto and Jay, Jay White. White, obviously. Right. Um, but with that being said, okay, in the past, this might have worked for, for New Japan because they were running less shows. I mean, not historically. They haven't always run less shows. But let's say in the last... Four or five years, they might have been running less shows. They're doing more business than they they have. They're doing more televised business now than they have in the recent past. And then not only that, they're they're running these overseas shows too, which are also part of the canon of their ongoing storylines. It's going to continue as their company grows and continues to be successful. They're going to find that this is going to be an issue. Where how can you draw cards? When there's no announced match and it, there is there's no announced cards and it's it is a thing of diminishing returns. It's like the first time you came here, you were able to sell everything based off of the New Japan name, but now you got to start showing us something. And we didn't even know anything. We didn't know anything till Tuesday. Well, there was only there were a few matches. There was a, the tag title match announced, the U.S. title match. It's it's not but, enough. You know, it was very little. It wasn't enough to. There was no hype for this show. Right. There there was no hype for this show. I mean, honestly, very 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 little. And I mean, yeah, the show. Was great. There's a lot of great matches, and that's awesome. And we we come to expect that from New Japan. We think it's the best wrestling product, <laughs> you know, that's out there. But with that being said, it's like you know, take you know, you can jab all you want at Vince McMahon and you know all the terrible you know booking decisions WWE has, but not for nothing. He's one of the greatest promoters that there ever was. You think Vince McMahon's coming in, into town? in a new market and not going to have an announced card ahead of time. That's stacked. <laughs> That's stacked. No, yeah. he's not going to do that, dude. Like, and it, it's booking one one or, you know, it's promoting one one And so I do feel like they're going to need to find some sort of answer if they're going to continue to want to come over here and do this. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a problem. They're just going to have to kind of like sit back, look at the calendar and maybe just space some of these shows out just a little bit more to give them time to build up and, you know, properly promote the feuds on here. Yeah. Another thing you can do is like, you know, we see this a lot with independent companies. Evolve does this a lot. Uh, PWG, different companies where they're like, this is the upcoming card. And if this person is still champion. Right. Then, you know. Yeah, the card's subject to change. There's going to be a title match night one. There's also a title match night two. If wrestler A beats wrestler B, he will defend the title against wrestler C the next night, you know. Or let's think about this, okay? Yeah, you you couldn't give away Jay White Gato against Tanahashi and Kushida. Great. I get that. Why couldn't you given us the rest of the card? The rest of the card was not something that um, really dealt too much with the New Japan stories. Right. You know what I mean? Which makes me feel like it was kind of put together like last minute. That could definitely be the case. That could definitely be the case. But like, you know, 
they could have given us the card and not announced Jay White, Gato, and Tanahashi and Kushida, and then maybe announced it as a last minute match, like grudge match. Right. I mean, that would that's what I would have done if I was, you know, Harold Meyer or whoever or, or Gato. Um, so I think they're going to need to get a little more creative when it comes to this sort of thing because it, it's a problem. Definitely. Um, but yeah, back to this opener. Um, Team Taguchi gets the win here. Taguchi hits the Dodon on Rocky Romero, and they get the win. I'm expecting to see Taguchi and ACH in the Junior Tag League. That would make uh, sense. What was their team name? Uh, Super 69. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, expecting to see those guys teamed up again this year. Now, um, one other thing on this show that I thought was very, very interesting. So we've had so many times over the past year that we've lamented Jim Ross and his commentary and how awful him and, you know, Josh Barnett have been together and his almost like disdain for this product and this company. But man, having him with Kevin Kelly, it was like, oh my God, like Jim Ross is back, you know, like he was great on this night. Well, you know, they had him doing the play-by-play. They had Kevin Kelly doing the color. Mm-hmm. So, clearly, you know, Kevin Kelly knows all the stories, the backgrounds, yeah. the names of moves, and all that stuff. So Yeah, I think he was really able to help him and maybe even produce him a little bit. And it's not to say that Jim Ross needs a producer. I mean, obviously, Jim Ross is one of the greatest commentators of all time. But, I mean, he had a lot of funny one-liners. Like, on this match, he yeah. was talking about, like, Taguchi's hip attack and how it was really a glute attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, He's like, it's not gluten-free. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not gluten-free. And I was like... I was like, man, all right, Jim, okay, getting into this. And, like, you know, he was a little taken back by stuff like Taguchi having on, like, the, uh, you know, the rugby helmet and stuff like that. And, you know, but at the same time, like, I thought that uh, having Kevin Kelly with him did a world yeah, of wonders. Yeah, much better. Uh, so next up we had uh, SCU, The Addiction, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian against the good old Virginia boys, Chase Owens and Hangman Adam Page. Yes. So um, given the talent that was in this match, you would never expect this to be necessarily bad. But at the same time, with very little story behind it, you know, it's not like this kind of just seems like a filler sort of match. But this was great. Yeah, dude, this was a great match. I mean, Daniels and Kazarian, they are so good together. And, I mean, they've been teaming for a long time now. They were bad influence in TNA. They're, what, the addiction? They're the addiction slash SCU here in Ring of Honor in New Japan. Yeah. And these guys, they have great chemistry together. They know how to put together a tag team match. And even, like, Rich was like, man, this match was so good. They did what it needed to do. I was like, yeah, man, you got these guys in here. Daniels and Kazarian, they're veterans, you know, over 30 years combined experience between both these guys. They know how to get things done. And then you got a guy like Hangman Page who just continues to get better match after match. He's a star on the rise. He's out there to prove that he's one of the best up-and-comers. And then you got, uh, you know, the crown jewel, Chase Owens, who is so underrated. The guy is so smooth in the ring. His psychology is on point. Uh, you know, you add all four of these elements in here. Like, if this if this had like a a backstory and like some angles, this could have been you know a higher rated match. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that you could have seen easily on like a Ring of Honor show or something of that nature. But um, at the same time, I mean, man, these guys just went out there and they killed it. 
eight minutes, no wasted motions. And all of these guys were on the um, Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view and um, the paper and the TV tapings. I know like Frankie Kazarian had like what stitches? He was busted. Open. Yeah, he they had it was um Addiction versus the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. I heard that match was good. It was good. I wish the the crowd was more invested into it. Um but yeah, so yeah, he ended up getting busted the back of his head busted open, so he had to get stitched up. Yeah, but he's a warrior, man. He came in here, you know, um Daniels had his legs wrapped up. Um but man, Chase Owens and and Hangman Page those two guys are just really, really good together. Really, yeah. really smooth. I, I dig them as a tag team here. Unfortunately, they didn't get the win. Um, but that kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, given the, the addictions placement, um, I think maybe that is one of the things that maybe people were criticizing why it felt like a Ring of Honor show. Because they did put over a lot of the, the Ring of Honor like talent and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. The addiction went over with the best Meltzer ever, which if you have not seen that, that is Kazarian holding one in a tombstone while Daniels comes off with the BME, the best moonsault ever. And you get the best Meltzer ever. I thought it was great hearing Jim Ross say the best Meltzer ever. <laughs> you know he didn't want to say that. Like, yeah. He has to because it's the name of the move, but he was just like, oh, the best Meltzer ever. <laughs> so that was kind of great. Yeah. But yeah, I, I dug this. Um, I think Chase Owens and Adam Page, I think with the, the way that Adam Page is kind of like a rising star, and like you said, Chase is so underrated, I think that combining them, like Chase gets a little bit of the rub from, from Hangman, and I do think that they'll probably do really well. I'm sure that they're probably going to be a tag team in the in the World Tag League. Yeah, this year. I expect both these teams to be in World Tag League this year. Hopefully, I mean, we'll see if SCU is willing to do that tour or not. They probably need them to, but I mean, we'll see. You know. Yeah, definitely. So the next match of the night was uh, six man tag action. We had uh, the team representing representing Chaos. Hiroki Goto and the best friends Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta uh, taking on the team of Flip Gordon, Chris Sabin, and the newly minted Ring of Honor World Television Champion Jeff Cobb. Yeah, Jeff Cobb, he defeated um, Punishment Martinez at the TV tapings on Saturday, so he's now the TV champion. Um, you know, Kayfabe is alive. <laughs> uh, and, you know, inter- interesting pairings here. Uh, you know, you got the chaos team of Goto and Best Friends. Clearly, Goto is, you know, the serious kind of, you know, bruiser of the team. While, you know, you have the Best Friends out there holding hands and hugging and kind of doing like their kind of goofy spots. Yeah. Uh, I think that that was something that I noticed was a little difficult for... Um, Jim Ross to kind of wrap his head around, you know, because there are some goofy things like that that occur in New Japan and in independent wrestling. And, you know, some more straight laced wrestling fans might not be a big fan of it. I know I'm critical of things like that, but I I, obviously I really like the uh, the best friends gimmick overall. But it was just kind of funny, like kind of seeing Jim Ross like call that. And he's like, well, these guys are certainly having fun out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, I'll say this. A lot of the multi-man matches were kind of similar, obviously, to a certain extent. Like, you saw a lot of, like, you see a lot of the same sort of worked spots in New Japan multi-man matches. But on this night, I thought of all the, like, undercard multi-man matches, this is the one that stuck out to me the most. It was just really, really good. Yeah, it was really good. And I, I feel like the Ring of Honor team really delivered here. Yeah. You had Flip Gordon. He, we already know what Flip's all about. This guy's going to go balls to the wall. 
high pace. He's going to be, you know, like his name says, flip. He's going to be flipping all over the place and just doing things that you've never seen before. Flip Flip isn't someone who necessarily really um, inspires me a lot when I see his singles work. But when you put him in a chaotic multi-man match or, you know, a tag match like this, he, he really shines. Yeah. He really shines. And it, I think he still has a lot of upside and he's still learning. He's only been wrestling three years. So I right. Mean, but yeah, I mean, he was great in this. And then you got Chris Saban, who's, you know, a veteran guy, been wrestling, you know, for a long time now. Uh, he looked great in Best of Super Juniors. He looked great here. And then you got Jeff Cobb. I mean, this guy is a powerhouse. That, uh, you know, that pump handle backslam he did to both the best friends at the same time. I know that I was critical of two things, actually. I was critical of Chris Saban's boots during the Best of the Super Juniors because he was wearing those boots with the uh, exposed calf. Yeah. And then he has, like, the cross, like... Stitching. Stitching. And then he still had that this time, but it was white, which was weird. Because <laughs> like, he's already really white. So you couldn't, like, hardly see him. And I was like, I don't like that look. But, yeah, he, he was great here. And Jeff Cobb was great here. And I know that I was critical of Jeff during the last show from back in March, the match he had with Goto. And it wasn't because I don't see the upside in Jeff Cobb or I don't think that he's a great wrestler. It's because I see the potential that he has, and I know he can be better than what he does a lot of the time. But I I feel like he came out on this night with something to prove. And we and also probably because of the wave that he's... I mean, the guy's hot. He's a hot commodity. Yeah, right he's now, so. like riding momentum right now. Like he mentioned earlier, he won Bola. He's the ROA TV champ now. You know, he's just getting booked all over the place and winning big matches. Thanks. So. He needs to thank Vince McMahon and Triple H because as these indie guys go, it just opens up more and more spots. And that's just kind of what happens. And so some spots open up and, you know, Cobb is he's the man right now on the indies suddenly. Yeah. I mean, he always kind of has been. But now, like, he's really set up and he's in a good position. Um, and I really liked the stuff between him and Goto in this match. I mean, really, I, it was really good. Yeah. Goto immediately, you know, attacking Cobb and you know reigniting that rivalry. Is Goto better when he just doesn't have a title? I think him he might be. <laughs> <laughs> like like Goto when when like he doesn't when he has something to prove, he's great. But like when he's the champion, like he he's just so man kind of lackadaisical. I know I've been like harsh on him this year, and people have criticized me for being that way. And but then you know you get something like him and Taichi. Right, right. I mean, it. I think if you look at all the matches that Goto's had this year, it's very clear. Like we mentioned all the time, he's gonna work to the level of the guy he's in there. Right. He's not gonna work harder than he needs to. So clearly, he's in there with Suzuki. He has to work a high level, or else he's he's gonna get eaten alive. I mean, Naito didn't. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is with Goto is like it's weird because if if you just want to base his year off of superlatives and talk about the great matches he's had, you're going to have a lot to talk about. But if you are consistent, consistency <laughs> rants. <laughs> but if you're a uh, shout out to uh, the Outsider's Edge, my boy Rance always talking about consistency. <laughs> but, um, you know, with Goto, it's like if you're looking at his overall year and you look how many bad performances he put in. It has to offset the good performances he's putting in. It's not like he's going in there and putting in, you know, just mediocre performances and having nights off. I mean, there's nights where he puts in real stinkers, and that that does detract for me, especially since I just know Goto's great. I yeah. know he's great. Yeah. Same thing with Cobb. Like, I was disappointed in their match 
earlier this year, and it seems like based on this match, we might be leading to another match with them. I liked when Jeff Cobb came in, and he was like, "Where's well, your yeah? Where's your belt, Goto? Where's your belt? Where's your Goto? belt? <laughs> I, like, I got a belt now. Where's your belt? He's like, I brought my belt. Where's your belt? Which I was like, oh man, yeah. you're supposed to call it a title, pal. <laughs> <laughs> a belt holds your pants up, pal. Goddamn. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this match came down to Cobb and Chucky e. T. Chucky e. missed a moonsault. Has hey, he ever landed <clears throat> that moonsault? No, he uh, he's like on Kurt Angle level. Yeah, bro, he never lands that moonsault. Always misses the moonsault, eats a lariat, and then Cobb hits the tour of the islands. I love that move. I like picks it up the win for the Ring of Honor team. A lot of people don't like that move. I remember when it, when Matanza first started using it, people hated it, and I was like, it's a great move. Yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, I think that they're going to do Goto versus Cobb for the TV title, mm-hmm. possibly at King of Pro Wrestling, maybe Power Struggle, we'll see. Um, and also, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw Saban and Flip together for the Junior Tag League. It's possible. That's a possibility. I would rather see Flip and Cheeseburger, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think uh, Saban and Kushida would be... A, a good team instead of saving a flip because you can, you can play off the, the Alex Shelley connection. Possibly. Um, one thing I was going to say about this was, uh, you know, with Goto, Chucky e. T, and Trent coming out and kind of representing Chaos, we still kind of don't know how the events that transpired last week are going to affect the rest of Chaos, but, I mean, they're still kind of teaming these guys up. So. Well, well, the rest of Chaos seems to kind of be... United. United. They they, they debuted those new Chaos shirts at Death Before Dishonor in the 10-man tag, and a lot of the Chaos guys were wearing those shirts on this show as well. Do you think it's a red herring? Maybe it is, or... I feel like that's a, a more interesting thing if you right now present like United Front but it's just to kind of throw you off the set and we really don't know what's going to end up happening those uh those new chaos shirts might be like those Y2AJ shirts (laughs) (laughs) you remember how those things came out and they broke up the week after (laughs) yeah oh my gosh get Uh, get your chaos shirt now guys has chaos ever had any good like merch I saw some merch for Yano that was like back in the day. It was pretty cool, actually. Oh yeah, believe it or not. But yeah, this match was good. Um, and then afterwards, we yeah, like we kind of mentioned, we kind of got some jaw jacking from Cobb and Goto. So that was very interesting. Um, you know, I was a little surprised that the Chaos team took the loss here. I would have expected like someone like Sabin or Flip to eat the pinfall instead. But I guess part of it is making Jeff Cobb look strong. Yeah, making Cobb look strong, and then also just to show you that Chaos is not in the right mindset right now. They can't get their act together. Apt analysis, Jeremy Donovan. Apt <laughs> analysis. You are the professor, dude. <laughs> but that's gonna be, that takes us to the next match of the night, uh, another six-man tag. So we had the team of Suzuki Goon when uh, we had Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, teaming up with Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr., the Killer Elite Squad, which I believe this is the first time that this trio has ever tagged together. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so, yeah. And then on the other side, we had the team representing uh, Los Ingrenables de Japón, Evil, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. Yeah, so, I mean, this was another um, good six-man tag here. Obviously, Suzuki Goon jumps uh, the bell, jumps these guys before the bell. You know, that was a shocking thing, but what was more shocking was right before that happened, the camera cut over, and we got to see... Ayo Shirai and Kyrie Kyrie, Sane in attendance. Dude, I don't think Uncle Paul is going to be happy with that. 
I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think there'll be a lot of blowback or blow black blowback on them for that sort of thing? I don't know because usually they don't like their talent like going to other shows, and if they do go, like you need to be backstage. I don't know if you remember like um, the Highlanders; they got shown on like TNA, and then they were like a released like right after that. Who are the Highlanders? I know those were like lower card guy. Who is that? That was a tag team like in 07 <laughs> on and uh, WWE on Raw. I don't even remember them. <laughs> but yeah, but usually when you see WWE guys at shows, like they usually get some kind of heat for appearing. Their name is the Highlanders, like plural. Yeah, there, there, there can only be one. There was they were a tag Why? team. War kilts, yeah. There can only be one. <laughs> I don't. That's oh yeah, the Highland. Well, see, I try to look up the Highlanders, and the first thing that pops up is Highlander. The type, movie. type in Highlanders WWE. Uh, but yeah, I mean they weren't that that great anyway. But just still, like huh. they don't they they usually don't like their guys being seen on camera. What on, were these guys? In, another like the promotion, sort of like War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> the the very like less like the worst version of War Machine. But uh, yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane in attendance. Also, yeah. Mar Ronaldo was there, and he got shown on camera too several like, times throughout the. And he was marking out too. Yeah, but I think Maro's a little different. Yeah, because you know he he can he's got some clout, believe it or not. You know, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, this match. Um, I'm not. I'm still just kind of down on the whole Lij Suzuki gun dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll be good if we never saw these two factions wrestled again for the rest of the year. I was but, gonna say never again. No, you said never again. Then you're like for the rest of the year, and I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I thought Saber looked really good in this matchup. I thought K- I thought KS looked really good. Yeah, they've been on fire since they've uh, come back in the New Japan. So I mean, um, one thing we so we've been talking about how Lance Archer hasn't been spitting into the crowd. Which I'm like, thank God, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, we kind of like speculated a while back that we thought maybe like it was a, a Harold May uh, initiative. And it does appear that that is the case because Lance Archer was on social media kind of posting about, you know, if you're a fan of my routine, then let the higher ups in New Japan know. And I'm like, oh, someone's been listening to our podcast, <laughs> Harold. Yeah. So, so thank, thank you, Harold. Our, our, our boy, <laughs> President Harold. He's been listening to this podcast. Some someone in the office. No, you know, I think that someone just like that's humane was like, why are we doing this? Like, like, like yeah, why are you spitting on fans? So that was interesting. But um, you know, the real story here was the um the story of Zack Saber Jr. and Evil. Right. I mean, we they've been building that up now all throughout the Destruction Tour, um, with Saber and Evil. Saber, you know, he pinned Evil in that one matchup, and we saw you know Evil, you know. Being looking the shook, she was shook and just like, you know, being uh, super depressed on getting pinned by Zack Saber Jr. And so you know, Evil was trying to you know prove to himself here that he could uh, pin Saber and that he was better than Zack Saber Jr. But uh, you know that was not the case here. Once again, it came down to uh, Saber and Evil. Evil hit the Darkness Falls. Um, and then he went to go for the everything is evil, but Saber countered it into a clutch, shooting the double birds as he was bridging into the clutch and pins evil again. You know, I really, um, I didn't think necessarily that evil was going to beat Zack Saber Jr. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, that would kind of defeat the purpose of 
you know, the rumored match that they're probably going to have at King of Pro Wrestling next week. But with that being said, when he hit him with the everything is, uh, or when he hit him with the darkness falls, I was like, wow, like they might, they might go with this guy right now. You know what I mean? And maybe like tie it up one to one. I don't know. Um, I think that this was a better storyline, but then yeah, Zach countered it into that clutch pin, and when when he threw up the the double middle fingers, I was like, this is why I freaking <laughs> love Zach Saber. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I, I thought I thought that everything here was pretty good. Um, I thought this was probably the one of the weaker of the multi man tag matches. Yeah, but I just think it's because it's a played out dynamic that we've seen time and time again. Right. But the um, the ending of the match was. Excellent because the selling that they did with Evil, man. Um, that long post match, dude shook Evil. Dude, he stayed on all fours, just staring down at the at the mat. It reminded me of like an anime when someone's like, "I can't believe it. he's really stronger than me," and they're and they're just like, and the like camera like closes up on them. Yeah, and their face isn't moving, but their eyes are just jiggling a little. Yeah, bit, and they're all wide eyed. Yeah, and like the the background the, behind look, him. Look at the black. Like streak thing, like yeah. There's like a black, and it's just like a blue background behind them. Like, like everything's just like, like, and you can hear like people are talking, like evil, and like, but he can't hear it. He's just in his, he's just in his mind, yeah. Thoughts, but um, yeah. Zach, Zach was just gloating, and you know, you could tell Sonata and Naito were obviously disappointed with the outcome, but dude, evil was shook. Yeah, man, that man was depressed. I think like the that's really good storytelling because you know there's not much that they've done with evil ever that I've been compelled by or interested in in any way. I really don't. I'm not a big evil fan. I don't think he's terrible. I think he's good in the ring. I'm not a huge fan of the gimmick, but I kind of get the I get why it's over. But you know, at the same time, evil's just kind of just there. He's just a guy to me a lot of the do, time. Do you think Halloween's rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> but I, this stuff with him and Zack Sabre has been pretty compelling, and I'm like, wow, like they've managed to get me interested in Zack Sabre versus Evil, which I didn't really think was po- you know, possible. Yeah. And I think that their interactions they've shown to have like pretty good chemistry. So I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. Sad, sad evil is a thing. Like maybe <laughs> we might need to get like a gif of him just like staring down, like somber face. Yeah. Like, hasht- hashtag sad evil. Someone needs to reach out to that man. Check on his well being. <laughs> uh, then uh, next up we had the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with the junior ace uh, Kushida, taking on the newly formed unit of Ghetto and Switchblade Jay White. The leader of chaos. Yeah, well (laughs) in his mind uh, you know, Ghetto here for new look no trunks, he's got you know, black jeans, a black Switchblade shirt with a black bandana You know, one thing we were talking about here, and I think this is a good time to bring it up we would mentioned how um, you'd been talking to Rich and you know He'd said there's a lot of like tag team matches, and you're like, but everything's gonna be good. And he was like, well, who's even on this card? Like, who's who's not good on this card? And we started looking at the talent, and it's like, who is who would you say is like the worst guy? And for me, like, and this is not a knock on either of them, but if you really, to me, it's like you're looking at maybe Lance Archer, yeah, and maybe current day Ghetto. <clears throat> and I mean, like, that just speaks to the high level of talent that's in new japan currently i mean what what would you say like who who are you uh when they come out like who are you least well when i see when rich when rich initially asked me that question i i said you know lance archer uh 
but you know, I think Lance has been doing great. But um, I, I totally didn't even think about it. Ghetto. I mean, I'll probably just kayfabe wise, the way he books himself, right? You know, he's usually always taking the falls, and so he would probably technically be the weakest guy on this card. But if Ghetto wants to, he can still go. Like that just shows you how good like New Japan is right now. But um, I thought that yeah, he came out here with the new look, the new attitude. But you would assume. Given the fact that, you know, what's been going on, just the way that, like you said, that Gato always takes the fall, you would think him, he, he's out here, he's the fall guy. Yeah. I mean, you think Kushida or Tanahashi are taking the pinfall against Jay White and Gato? Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> but uh, you'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say, I, I was surprised that um, they, they pinned Tanahashi. And... Let me just say this. Tanahashi was looking rough. Yeah, he was hurting. He is hurt, man. He gave it his all in that Okada match. Dude, that Okada match was freaking awesome, but man, like... It it took a toll on him. Yeah, you could just... You could tell a huge, huge, huge difference from either that or he's just one of the greatest sellers of our generation. (laughs) And, you know, he is a great seller, but he was was just very stiff. Um, He didn't have to do a lot in this match, you know, thankfully... And that's the thing with Tanahashi is like when Tanahashi needs to, he can really go. But man, it that stuff about his body being broken down stuff, it's not it's not fake. It's not not there. Like, you know, he really his bicep really got torn. His back's really messed up. His his knee. His knees are all shot. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Even like him working the safer, you know, um, he had to like evolve and the, the adapted style that he's taken on and still when he works those big matches man it takes a yeah it takes a lot out of him and uh the finish came down here with ghetto pulling out the power of the punch the the brass knucks yep knocks out a uh, good old foreign object <laughs> uh you know he was watching some william regal before the show mm-hmm. uh knocks out tanahashi knocks out kushida jay white picks up tanahashi hits him with the blade runner and gets the win what did you think about that like how did you react to this whole thing and what, what were your thoughts uh, I completely understood why they did this, because obviously it, it, it to me I'm guessing they're doing Jay White and Tanahashi for the briefcase at King of Pro Wrestling. Well, Tanahashi had even said, you know, that that's right. who he wanted to face right. before the attack and everything. Right. Um, and so with that match coming up so quickly, you got to get some more heat with Jay White and throw that seed of doubt that Tanahashi could lose to Jay White and not go to the Tokyo Dome, especially Jay White that has Ghetto and Jay White beat Tanahashi in the G1 without Ghetto. Now he has Ghetto. Um, there could be some shenanigans that could call that could cost Tanahashi. Do you think that's the right call, or do you think if they're going to hit both of them with brass knucks, maybe Jay White should have gone over Kushida? No, I think it was the right call to see Jay White getting that pinfall over Tanahashi. That visual? That visual. He got the pinfall over him to make you plant that seed of doubt in your mind. Are they going to pull shenanigans at King of Pro Wrestling? Is Jay White going to find a way to leave with that briefcase? So, I mean, personally, I don't think he will. I, I clearly, like I've mentioned several times on this show, I think the direction is Tanahashi Omega in the Dome. But with this finish and with Jay White beating 
uh, Tana in G1, and now he has Gato that's going to help him cheat more. Like, you gotta, you got to have that doubt in the back of your mind now. Like, it, are, is Jay White going to pull this thing out? One thing, too, is um, at the end of the match, post-match, White basically just had so much heat. Oh, yeah, nuclear heat. Like, last, last March when they were um, at the Walter Pyramid... Um, I keep mentioning last March. The last show wasn't in March. It was no. like in June or July. Right. Right? It was the Cow Palace. Cow Palace. July. That was in July. Yeah, my bad. But the the show in um, March, the guy who like drew the most heat during that show was Cody. Like the remember how like heated people were about Cody when they went up against God back then. Mm-hmm. That was Jay White on this night. Like Jay White to me got more heat than anybody else on this card, which. Just goes to show you that what they're doing is working with this guy because I mean the character work, the story that they've built, you know, there it's it hasn't been perfect and there's been plenty to criticize, but to get to where we're at now, like with with the heat that's between him and Tanahashi, it's they're doing a good job with Jay White, and he cut an awesome promo at the end of this match. Yeah, he mentioned you know Tanahashi won the G one and he gave Okada a shot. No, but he beat Tan- beat Tanahashi. He deserves a shot, and you know, pretty much saying, you know, he pinned him tonight. He should have. He should get the briefcase right now. They yeah, say New Japan was scared. Yeah, like they're scared because they'll do anything to make sure that Tanahashi's gonna be in the it, main d- event. Yeah, it's like they don't want two Gaijins main eventing. Which which was awesome because, dude, him basically saying like the fact that New Japan isn't that they're afraid to put two foreigners against each other on their biggest show, and that would. You could spin that in a certain context and turn it into, like, a racist thing or a nationalistic thing. <laughs> yeah. And you could really become, like, a baby face off that statement. But the way that he did it just garnered so much heat. Yeah, dude. Uh, the crowd F you switchblade chance. Dude, and that sh- that that's another key indicator that this crowd that was here is a crowd that is pro-New Japan because they don't want... Two two foreigners to <laughs> yeah, be in, in the main event of of the Tokyo Dome, yeah, especially no. not Jay White and Omega. Omega. We've right. seen that. Yeah, we see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that just goes to show you that this this crowd that was here, this is a really smarky New Japan crowd. Like they support New Japan, they want New Japan. But yeah, Jay White, man, great. He he did a great job of the mic, man. Like early on in his, in his first part of the run you can see where his nerves were there but he's just he keeps coming more and more into his own and like he's connecting with this character on a way that I think a lot of guys in New Japan are not yeah he gets it yeah he gets what he's, he's doing. doing great character work and you know they say that the new era is here which I'm wondering like could that potentially be the new, a new faction like the new era and they start their own now when when was the um are you sure that there was that the um? Because I feel like this is where the intermission was was after this, and then they right, were. yeah, intermission was after this. Because you had said earlier that the Young Bucks wrestled before the intermission. No, I said the after. I said Osprey and Skrull was the first match back. Gotcha. I misunderstood you. Yeah. So yeah. So this is why I was saying that I felt like maybe a lot of people might have come in after the intermission because this is where the big matches start essentially. You know what I mean? Like right. the advertised portion of the. And, card. and you know the intermission. You know when you watch it live, man, they had you know fifteen minutes of dead air. Yeah. What was that about? Why did they do that? Like, dude, they throw some promo packages on there. Cut back to backstage at the press conference. Like, do some do some backstage interviews. Have or you know sometimes you know run, they'll run back the finishes of the matches. Dude, you're the second biggest wrestling company in the world, and you're putting on this exquisite 
like vi- presentation. Oh, one thing I, I did want to criticize because they did this a few times. Why the crap did we miss the finish of the opening match when he when uh, Taguchi was hitting the Dodon? I missed it. I feel it was, there was a couple like weird camera cuts in certain matches. Aside from the, the a few of the missed cuts, which I'm sure they've got instant replay. They used it this night. They should have probably used it on some of those. The picture was awesome. The presentation was great. We we praise these U.S. shows because they have amazing camera work, especially when they're in the the Walter Pyramid. The Walter Pyramid's a great venue. Yeah, but with that being said, um, you know, you watch a Ring of Honor pay per view when when they have um, intermissions and they they'll play classic matches, which I'm not a huge fan of. That I'm not I'm not a big fan of the intermission. Not on a big. Sh- there are some shows where I'm like, okay, maybe you do an intermission like a like a house show, like a big house right. show, but when you're doing pay-per-view or whatever you want to call this like a a live television special now i understand that they're really recording this for access right so i'm sure during that time there will be it's gonna it's gonna be edited right yeah there's it's gonna be edited out there's gonna be you know commercial packages and all kinds of stuff they'll probably add they're gonna have it i think it just won't be on the they'll just go right into the junior title they'll probably like cut to commercial then go to the junior title match right but with that being said it's like you know they're they're trying to grow New Japan World, and they've got you know probably U.S. eyes that maybe got New Japan World to watch this, and it's like what a lot of Western fans are not used to intermissions. I mean, you're not going to watch a, a WWE program and get an intermission like that, and for good reason. I mean, you don't necessarily need it. I know that right. when I go to shows, I don't need the intermissions. Most yeah, of the time. I, I prefer cards that run straight through. Me too. Like, let's just get to it. Why are we? What is this 15 minutes for? I'll just, you know, I'll go to the bathroom when I need to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's not really necessary. But um, if the, if you're going to do that, they probably need to do something in the meantime. But um, yeah. that takes us to the, the bangers of the card. So we start off with the um, semifinal match of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title Tournament. Um, putting longtime rivals Will Ospreay against Marty Skrull. And oh my gosh. This match was crazy. From literally from the opening bell. Yes. Osprey, Spanish Fly, uh, Space Tiger uh, Drop, yep. uh, Shooting Star Press. Dude, I thought they were about to job Skrull out here, squash this man, get him out of the paint. You know what? It, it had that feel of Takahashi and Kushida yes. a couple years ago. Yes. Or from last year. Yeah. Um, it really felt like that is what they were about to do. I was like, I was like, oh my God, Will Ospreay's about to freaking. Dude, I thought, I'm like, is, is this, <laughs> me and Rich were like, is this the greatest? squash that we're about to see right now <laughs> oh, oh my god dude that was awesome and just from there they kept the pace up and just c- continued to do this this match was really Damn. really really awesome i mean and it you know hats off to will osprey because dude dude's coming off of putting on a banger the night before again or two nights before against jay lethal at uh death before dishonor you know in the main event and then he comes to the walter pyramid and then he puts on uh, probably even better match against marty Skrull. yeah I mean, I thought this match was phenomenal. I really, really love this match. I did too. The thing is, with these guys, they've worked together so many times. They have so much chemistry. But what I liked about it, this match felt very different. I've seen a lot of their work. Like, I really have. Um, I would say certain rivalries I've kind of missed out on. But this is something that I've seen all over the place, whether it be in What Culture or Rev Pro or, you know, Progress or New Japan or Ring of Honor. I mean, I've seen them wrestle all over the place. This match had a different feel 
it had it had some of the like big spots they do, but the way they worked it had a different feel than a lot of the matches they've had, and it was a little more measured, it was a little more calculated. And it was more smartly worked. And I really, really enjoyed the story that they were telling in this match. It wasn't just about the spots, which they still put on some incredible spots. But, man, the the anticipation and buildup from the times when you thought that they were going to kill themselves and then they didn't. Yes. Added to they, this match. They, you know, they teased the, uh, the uh, Spanish fly off the apron. Yes. Um, and- some other crazy stuff they've te- when they're te- on the top rope and you didn't know what was about to happen oh yeah when they were both yeah standing yeah yeah there was a lot of times where they just they would tease things that looked like they were gonna do something insanely crazy and then they didn't but it played into the story of the match another thing too is like Marty Skrull really was going after Will Ospreay's neck again which he did do in the first match they had earlier this year mm-hmm. um, which when was that wasn't that um <laughs> Dontaku? Yeah, I think it was Dontaku. But man, that match was incredible. And then, you know, Marty just... Marty, what I what I like about Marty when he wrestles Will is he's not going to be shown up. He's not going to let Will Ospreay outshine him. So sometimes Marty has gotten by over the past years by doing the character, doing the gimmick, and doing the bare minimum. I mean, I didn't think he even had a great Super Junior tournament this year or anything like that. But when it comes to Will, he's not going to let Will outdo him. So he comes to wrestle. Yeah, dude. And, the, and like, he's for real, for real. They did the uh, Super Tiger suplex spot. That was awesome. Oh, my gosh. That was off the top rope? Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was that was awesome. I liked when um the one point where Marty had... Will draped over the rope and he started kicking his neck forward. Oh yeah! Oh, I never, I don't think I've ever seen I, that. I've never seen that either. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, just the striking exchanges that these guys had, the stuff they were doing on the outside. This this match was right up my alley. I liked this a lot. I liked. It. I, I I would even venture to say it's one of the best junior matches I've seen this year. Yeah. Also, the, the uh, Osprey did a tribute to Takahashi with the, the time bomb, a sunset flip to yeah, the yeah. outside. Oh, yeah. And you know what I liked about that was that when he did it, I don't know if they meant to do this, but the way that they did it was Marty landed on Will's legs. And I was like, that was like, if they didn't mean to do that, that's probably what the guy should be doing. Yeah. Like, guys probably shouldn't be taking... Sunset flip power bombs to the outside concrete, like that's stupid. <laughs> but the, you know, it didn't take away from the move for me at all. When neither, neither did I. Yeah, protected him on the way down. I was like, that's that was very smart, and it still looked devastating. It still was part of the story. I mean, think about it. Guys take like backcrackers and lung blowers, whatever you want to call it all the time, and it's like you know, you hit someone's knees. I mean, you can definitely still sell that move off off that the way they did. It. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I liked it a lot. But man, at the end of this match. Marty just became freaking vicious. Yeah, dude. The closing stretch was so it was the, the super tiger suplex I mentioned. Uh, then he hits a nasty lariat that, you know, Osprey flips inside out for. He hits a package side pile driver. And then he hits his new finish to graduation, which is like a rollout, uh, you know, butterfly suplex looking thing. Yeah, I hadn't seen the graduation before. Is that something he's used in New Japan or is that the first uh, time? He's been using it in Ring of Honor a lot. He did. I think he did use it in the best of Super Juniors a couple times, too. I just remember that time when he did that... Um, what looked like it was going to be an atomic drop and then they flipped the guy all the way backwards and yeah then, and then he won off that 
one of the matches, which I thought was very, I think it was Chris Saban he beat with that. Yeah, wasn't it like a reverse, it's a reverse suplex kind of thing? Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. My bad. It is. It's a reverse suplex, but, and he only won off of it that one match. Yeah. And so I think maybe he was testing that out as maybe a potential finish. But, um, yeah, the graduation's cool. I mean, what his main finish has always been the chicken wing. Right. Was he using any other, like, high-impact move before as his finish? Um, if he did, I, I'm not recalling. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it's cool. I mean, um, I don't like it as much as Will Ospreay's, you know, that uh, what's his the, finish? The Stormbreaker. That Stormbreaker's awesome. Yeah. Um, what, I thought it was awesome, though, just, like, at the end, because you kept having the... You kept getting the feel like maybe they're going to do one of those things where they spam finishes and spam kickouts. They didn't really do that here. They just told an excellent story. Marty, basically, when Marty got him in trouble, he just freaking got him out of there. Yeah. Which is... It was just expertly put together, and, like, it does continue... Even though Osprey beat him earlier this year um, in that one match, you know, the, the long-time running story is that Marty, for the greater part of their careers has had Osprey's number and uh, he continues on in the tournament so it's going to be him against Kushida at King of Pro Wrestling for the IWGP Junior title I think that's going to be really good were, were you expecting Marty to, to get the win here what were you thinking uh, I think originally going in I was expecting Osprey to get the win just because they've been pushing him kind of with the whole Ibushi stuff so I figured they put him into the finals and then maybe he just lose to Kushida uh, so yeah I was not expecting Skrull to go over here they had mentioned that Osprey's looking heavier you'd think he is trying to make that jump? I think so, yeah. At the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, they mentioned that uh, he's gained 20 pounds. Hmm. Um, and he's really packing on muscle. So he's definitely trying to make that Ibushi match happen. One thing I will say about this, um, they another pl- uh, time to criticize New Japan. I don't know why they didn't have Kushida come out here and do something with Marty at the end of this match. Right, yeah. Set up the, you know, the, the match. It just seems like that's such a New Japan thing to do. Like, you know, um, maybe Kushida was like, man, I'm out of here. <laughs> I had my match. I'm good. <laughs> maybe. but Or maybe he was still knocked out from those brass knuckles. <laughs> Selling. He might have been. I, <laughs> if I was Gato, I would have had him go out there. That's all I'm going to say. So, but this this match was excellent. Excellent match. Um, I know I heard some. I think it was like Dave Meltzer today said he felt like it needed to go another like three minutes. But yeah. I was I was happy. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a perfect length. Yeah, I remember remember they went too long on that last match. Yeah, the first one they just yeah. kept going going yeah. going. Yeah, I thought this was a perfect length. I thought it was everything they did was Chris. Me, I'm five stars on this. Uh, I don't know if I'm that. I'm, I don't know if I'm there, but I mean, it was like I said, it's one of the best. Uh, junior matches I saw this year, so I I really liked it a lot. Yeah. And up next we had the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Title match with the champions, the Young Bucks, taking on the Gorillas of Destiny, uh, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, accompanied by their father Haku, aka Ming, who was sitting at ringside, aka I will kill you <laughs> <laughs> with my bare hands. Um. Yeah, so they they got a really good video package for this. Um, a lot of hype, a lot of. I thought the video package was great. By the way, the way that they just kind of built into this. Whole yeah, thing. and show like the history of the Bullet Club and starting with Kenny turning on AJ and then kicking AJ out and just running that all the way up to now. So yeah, that was a great uh, video. I gotta say, when this match was announced, I was excited for it initially, and then as time went on and there was no bucks on on any of these tours and there was no build for it i kind of got down on it especially since the the hype around the card i felt like this match's hype 
suffered from that from from my perspective as well and from my personal emotions and feelings towards the show. But once they once they got in the ring, I was like, oh yeah, the Bucks and God, this is gonna be really good. Yeah. And I gotta say, this is probably the best G.O.D. match I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, the the only other match of theirs that I can think of that I've ever been really, really high on, they had, um, oh, they did have a good match with Chaos in the, uh, remember they, I think they had a really good match with Toriano and, um, Ishii, and Ishii in the tag league last year. Yep, and then the year before that, they had a really, really, in the finals, they had a really good, um, Finals match against uh, Makabe and Honma. Honma. Yeah, and great that was like that was like the first great match that they ever had as a tag team because if I don't know if you remember when God first showed up and Tangaloa started, Tangaloa was not transitioning yeah. well into the new. Yeah, he was green as grass. And it's so weird to say because he'd been working for years prior to that, but like he just wasn't transitioning well to this style. But that match was the kind of the match that like showed what they could do, and then they've kind of meshed a lot more over the past year, the past two years. But um, yeah, this is one of the best matches of of God as a tag team I've seen. Yeah, and uh, you know, a big story in this match was uh, Matt Jackson's back once oh again. God. Not the back again. This man been selling the back all year. These guys, I just want to say this: the Young Bucks, they have an addiction. <laughs> They're just spot monkeys, bro. They don't ever sell anything. They don't ever tell stories. They just do spots. These guys, they don't know how to work. They. <laughs> They just, they suck. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you believe in 2018 that people still say stuff like that about yeah. about the Young Bucks? It's crazy. Like, look at the matches these guys have been putting on. and Dude, like, all pretty much all of their matches of late have been them selling something and, yeah. and telling a story in their yeah. matches. Um, um, this, was, this was really, really good. I do feel bad for Nick Jackson, bro, because... He is having to be the Bucks. <laughs> like, in every match, like, all year, he's had to, like, be the guy that, like, basically carries the matches. Um, and I don't even think it's because Matt's hurt. I think it's because it's the story they're trying to tell. But I'm like, dude, Nick's doing, like, everything. Um, I thought they, they did – the way that they told the story with Matt's back, though, and, like, the bumps he took and the the measured, like, times when, where um, G.O.D. looked – like a killer team. Yeah, they were vicious. They yeah, were, they just kept targeting that back, and it was awesome. Um, yeah, I thought the story here was really good, really, really good. Yeah, you know, Matt, Matt Jackson ended up going through a table, take his back out even more. Like you mentioned, Nick had to carry a majority of this matchup. Yep. Uh, and I, I liked how Nick kept trying to tag out, but Matt just couldn't even muster the strength to get on the apron for him to be available to tag out. Yeah. And then eventually, like. At one, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I know Nick was able to tag out, but he was so hurt that Matt basically had to be the guy for both of them. So there was a disconnect. Like God did an excellent job dividing these guys and keeping you know keeping them separated from one another the entire night. Um, and then yeah, so Matt when Matt was in there like doing all his hot tag or you know all the hot tag moves and everything, the once he got hurt. Nick wasn't there. Like, there was no Nick for him to tag out. Right. So these guys were in no man's land. Yeah, like, that was a night. dangerous spot right there. And a big moment in the match was um, Tongaloa hits the ape shit on Mac Jackson. And Matt Jackson kicks out. A, a move and, that we've seen 
during the G1 tour, like 19 times, 19 guys got pinned off. That. Right. They, they've built up that, that ape shit, that Rikishi driver, the whole um, you know G1 tour, yep. showing you how dangerous it is and that the match, you know, that's the ending of their match. So Loa hits that. I'm like, oh, crap. There's the finish right there. And I thought J- it was over. Yeah. Matt Jackson kicks out. Yeah. Showing his fighting spirit. Which uh, I guess JR didn't really seem to care about fighting spirit. Yeah, wasn't he saying something about like guys standing in front of each other and just like taking hits? Yeah, he he was like, like, I I wouldn't do that if I were. That doesn't seem like a smart idea to me. (laughs) I mean, this is a guy, I don't want to criticize him too much, but I mean, like, this is the same dude who called, you know, Abushi and Nakamura, and he saw that same spot and he was all into it. But uh, maybe he's just over it at this point. Yeah. But, um,. Yeah, man, this was this was just really really good. When when Matt ended up kicking out of the Rikishi driver, I was like, oh my god! Like maybe the Young Bucks are gonna are gonna do it. Yeah, they might do it. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't for them that night. They they ended up trying to go for the best or for <laughs> for the Melter driver, and like Matt's back was so messed up that Nick had to get in there and actually hoist right um, Tangaloa onto Matt's shoulders so they could set up for the move. And then right as Nick was doing the springboard, gun, gun stun comes from out of nowhere. nowhere. That was awesome. And then they ended up, um, after that, they ended up, uh, oh, yeah, 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 that actually happened before. Before the, the uh, Rikishi driver. Yep, so then they, um, they tried to do the guerrilla warfare. Matt fought out of it, and then he hits a pop-up gun stun, and that was all she wrote at 19 minutes, 25 seconds. Very, very, very good um, tag match. How did you and uh, Rich react to this since you guys are such Bucks fans? Uh, I mean, we overall really enjoyed the match. Um, I mean, it was kind of disappointing for me seeing the Bucks lose the belts, but uh, I understand because, you know, the news has came out that these guys are not going to be uh, competing in the World Tag League this year. And you need you need the tag champs in there. So the, ru- the rumor too is that they're going to be taking less and less New Japan dates and focusing more of their time on Ring of Honor, whatever that means. Uh, could that be a harbinger for the whole WWE decision? I don't know, maybe. Right. But yeah, I mean, these guys are taking the holidays off, so they're like, we're not working that tag league. Which to me, as a fan, that kind of sucks, dude. I, I once the Young Bucks went into the have the heavyweight tag division. I was looking forward to World Tag League. Yeah, I, was, I can't wait to see the Young Bucks compete in the World Tag League this year. And that they're, was they're really on that Brock Lesnar schedule. Yeah. And they're 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 gonna work the big show. Big brother. money, less dates. Yeah, so I'm like, man, that kind of sucks because I, I would have pegged if they were gonna be in it, I was gonna peg them to be to go all to the way win with it. it. Yeah. But um my feelings on that have been changing a little bit over the past few weeks. I'm not ready to make my prediction yet, but you know who I think is gonna win the tag league and we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, once we once I heard that they weren't gonna be in the tag league, I was thinking that there's a good chance that they might not be walking away with the belts here. Um a little surprised that G O D are double champions now. I thought kind of originally the reason they put the uh trios belts on them was because they probably weren't going to win here but they they've walked away and now you know the og bullet club holds both tag titles in new japan both heavyweight or the open weight and the heavyweight tag title so yeah and clearly the you know the war between the bullet club ogs and the bullet club elite will continue oh my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, so um, the next match of the night, the co-main event 
for the IWGP US title. We saw the IWGP US champion Juice Robinson defending against the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion Cody. Yeah, so you know, I thought this was a you know another good matchup here between both of these guys. Um, you know, these both of these guys have come a long way since the first time they wrestled each other at Wrestle Kingdom. Was that Wrestle Kingdom uh, eleven? They they first wrestled each other. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Juice has improved a lot. And I think Cody has done a great job um, improving his in-ring game and just his overall character since he's been out of WWE. Were you surprised that this didn't main event after they kind of ad- uh, advertised it to be the main event? Um, I wasn't surprised once the Ishii Okada versus Golden Lovers match was announced. Because this match was positioned as the main event for the whole kind of leading up to this until the full car was dropped. And once the full car was dropped, it, it made complete sense not for this the main event of the show. And again, I hate to bring this up again, but I have to go back to the whole thing with, you know, they want to make an impact in in, um, in the U.S. and have goodwill with the fans here and that sort of thing. But how can you do that when you have this awesome main event of Golden Lovers against, you know, these chaos guys and you don't advertise it until, what, five days before the show? Yeah. And instead you've got... Juice and Cody slated at the top when you know very well that you're not going to end up going that way anyways. Right. And I have to think that taking nothing away from this match, I think that this match was an excellent co-main event for this card. I have no problem with it. But when you were running it at the top of the card, we were criticizing it like a few months ago. We were like, I don't know if that's going to sell out the Walter right. Pyramid. And I mean, another problem with this match be- being here too is like, they did like pretty much no build for it. The only build for this match, for the most part, was Cody pinning Juice, and then just Juice cutting promos. But Cody wasn't there to like keep the rivalry up. Juice calling himself the new American Dream. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so yeah, man, this this match definitely lacked from you know build up and heat. But overall, this had a great match. Um, Cody playing full heel here. Yeah. Um, Constant interference from Brandy Rhodes. You know they had that spot where it, it looked like Juice hit her, and she, uh, Brandy did a great sell job, did like a back, yes. backward bump, and she got Juice Robinson booed. Yeah, <laughs> she got Juice Robinson. The the fans got pissed. A few of those guys in the front row like stood up. They they were like pissed, and I was like, my God, like Brandy's more over than the Juice man. Like it's crazy, but of course you you, you see her out there. Yeah. <laughs> The whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, um, I love Brandy. Mm. I think you've said it several times. You'd risk it all for Brandy. For right? Brandy? Yeah. I'd risk it all. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Oh my God. Cody is a very. Cody, Cody, man. But um, the thing with Cody is, you know, a lot of people see these matches with him and they're not huge fans of it. For some reason, I just don't know why. I don't know what it is about my wrestling fandom, but like. I just I enjoy Cody matches. I don't know. Dude, why. so am I, dude. I'm I've been completely, you know I know I know that like he doesn't it's not that your typical New Japan performance and I know that there's some westernization going on when he performs, but I do think that A, he has changed up his game a lot since coming to New Japan. But B, like, he's a great storyteller. Um now, that's not to say that there isn't some shenanigans that, that gets put in and some smoke and mirrors, and maybe some of that does need to be toned down. Um, 
because it seems like every big match has it, and it, yeah. you lose the effectiveness over time. But like when I watch his matches, it do, it just for me it harkens back to the '90s period of WWE that I like. You know, it reminds me of like these Rick Rudes and Mr. Perfect and you know yeah. Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and stuff like that. It really does. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of Cody too. I'm I'm all in on him, and I just think he's been doing a great job. And I'm totally down with him. It was kind of weird, you know, seeing him, you know, Full yeah, be the, like the ultimate baby face at uh, All In and in the, in the Ten Pounds of Gold uh, documentary series, and now all of a sudden he's back to you know. 100% heel Cody. Part of it, it's not that surprising to me for a few reasons. A, Cody has gone on record and said everything shades of gray. There are no heels. There are no baby faces. Although that does make sense because you're playing a prototypical heel when you go full heel and you have to know that that's what you're doing. So I think him making that statement might not mean that he doesn't believe in heels. But it could be A, him working people or B, him understanding that given different circumstances, there are nuances and layers to stories. Um, the other thing, too, is it, it does remind me of Ric Flair. Ric Flair would go into a lot of towns and be heel when the time called for it, but because he's the traveling NWA champion, there are times in the Carolinas, he might be a heel on TV every week, but in the Carolinas, he's going to be a baby yeah. face. You know what I mean? In Georgia, he's probably going to be a baby face, that sort of thing. So um, I think that Cody's kind of tapping into that a bit. Um, but it was weird on the same – we'll get to it later, but on the same card, he, he becomes a babyface at the end of the night. So it is very strange. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the match came down here where Juice hits a big superplex. And after the superplex, Cody cradles him and gets the three. And we have a new IWGP U.S. champion, Cody he adds that to his list of golds. He adds that to the NWA world title and the Ring of Honor six-man tag title. Um, there was a couple things that surprised me. So, like, they did the um, they did the whole thing where Juice hit him with the uh, with the what was his finisher called? The uh, Pulp Friction. Hit him with the Pulp Friction, and Brandy pulled Cody out, which I was like, ugh, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And then um, later on, there on the outside, and they did the. You know, Cody Rhodes hit him with the crossroads, and they did a countout tease. Then they got in, and you know the the eye pokes and the super kick, and then Cody ended up hitting him with the dins fire, the um the, the vertebraker, yeah. and it that only got two, which I was very surprised. I think that that was their way of trying to keep Juice looking strong. You know, right? Because I mean? the dins fire has has kind of been like, his like his super, ulti- his his super, super finisher. finisher, yeah. And then um, but then yeah, he hit the uh the superplex, and then. Cody ended up getting the cradle, which, again, that's a total NWA traveling champion finish. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it really is. Yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that Ric Flair won the belt off of uh, off Dusty in 81 with a very similar move to that. So it kind of reminded me of that in a way. Um, yeah, but, I mean, dude, what, what did you think was going to happen here? A, what do you think should have been the call? B, and... Um, what what's your reaction to how how they're hand like treating Juice? Well, I, I'm kind of very disappointed in how Juice has been treated. Um, I mean, 
they didn't they've done such a great job of building him up from being this underdog and building him into that spot to beat Switchblade Jay White to win the U.S. title. I thought it was going to be like, like a new leaf, like the next chapter in the story of Juice with him being a champion, picking up some more wins, maybe still being a kind of an underdog, but being, you know, picking up more wins and being a little bit more dominant. But we pretty much, you know, got the same old juice and it was just losing, losing, losing. Um, first tile defense here. It's like, man, I felt like that the whole buildup is kind of a waste. Yeah. But at the same time, Cody's carrying that 10 pounds of gold. And I'm sure Dave Lagana and Billy Corgan don't want their world heavyweight champion, you know, losing many matches on TV. Yeah, that I those are my thoughts exactly. One yeah. thing is, um, when I thought that this was going to be the main event, I wasn't sure what the outcome was going to be. I did have a, I had a sneaking suspicion or an inkling of a feeling that there was going to be a screw job finish, because they booked themselves into kind of a no win situation, or at least from my perspective, that's what it kind of felt like. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got Cody carrying the NWA belt. And I was telling people, and I think I said on the show, there's no way he's going to beat Juice and carry both belts. I just didn't think they were going to go that way. But at the same time, I didn't really see Juice like beating him. And I was like, well, they're probably going to do something really screwy at the end. That's not really a New Japan thing to do. You know what I mean? So it, it is hard to say that. But at the same time, you're like, well, it's Cody and it's in the U.S. And it, you know what I mean? And this right. is a new title. So I was just I was really expecting a screw job sort of finish, something that was maybe a little inconclusive. I mean, Cody's the NWA title holder. They could have done a double count out and just gone straight 80s with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much goodwill that would buy them with, you know, the U.S. fans if they had done that. But the fact that they decided to beat juice it does seem like given cody's stature and given his placement in the company you kind of had to go that way like you kind of had to yeah but then maybe you don't do juice against cody yeah like maybe you don't do that um i know that we can be impatient as wrestling fans you know what i mean we really can and people have been behind Juice for a long time, and it all culminated with him winning the title back in July at the Cow Palace, and it was great. But then G1 came, and they put him in that B block with all those killers, and he ate all those losses. Yeah. And then you were like, well, which guy is he going to have to defend against? Because he lost like six times. <laughs> <laughs> and then it became Cody, and you're like, why is it Cody? He already had all these other title challenges that they could have gone with, but they just did Cody for whatever reason. And then... Then now it's like, well, the point blank, Juice's title reign sucked. Yeah. It <laughs> like was there's, very... There's, there's no way to... It's been totally lackluster. Yeah, he disappointing. Lost his first, he yeah. lost his first title defense to Cody. Um, it, it, it is a little disappointing. And it's like, I'm sure that New Japan can build a compelling storyline off this. And I'm sure, you know, it's not like they're done with, with Juice. They're investing in the guy. And he's he's got Superstar written all over him. But it, it just feels like they've mishandled him a little yeah. bit. To you know, maybe maybe I'm jumping the gun and saying that, and I don't want to be. I don't want to be down, but I do feel like there. This was the wrong way to go. I just yeah. we we've been behind it, this guy, and it's like, 
Now I'm just dis- disappointed. And to be honest, I feel like I care a little bit less about it now. Yeah. We had a couple questions here about Juice and this, and this Cody match. Um, our buddy Zach Porter, actually, we got to meet him a couple weeks ago at the NXT Largo show. Uh, so Zach Porter asks, where do you see Juice going from here? I feel like they really miss an opportunity on building up a budding uh, talent for the U.S. title slash Western expansion. Well, you know, I, do, I feel like this didn't do necessarily the U.S. title any favors. I feel like maybe one school of thought would be putting it on Cody now that he's the NWA champion elevates it and gives it some prestige. But you had a you had a guy that was, a babyface that was super over in Juice Robinson. He's over in America. He's over in Japan. And you made him look like a geek the entire G1, like he wasn't the champion. And that kind of diminishes his entire title run. And then now that he just lost it in his first title defense, it's like, well, you know, what was the point? You might as well just kept it on Switchblade if you're going to do that crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it tells you a lot about, like I said, I don't think that they're done with him. They're not burying the guy or anything like that. But it does tell you where they see Juice Robinson in the pecking order of New Japan. Yeah. And I think the next step for him is he'll probably they'll probably team up him and uh, David Finley in the World Tag League uh, it's gotta be yeah he's not there's no there's no big title matches on the horizon for him the only way that I could see this being a positive is you do Cody and Juice again and Cody gets that belt back you mean Juice gets the <laughs> My God. Yes, Juice gets the belt back from Cody. That is the only way that I could really see you. Um, could be Wrestle Kingdom. Possibly. That would be a good match, and that would make a lot of sense to do that. Um, that's the only way I think you can kind of redeem this whole thing is if you turn around and, and you give Juice another shot. But I'm like, what did this guy do where he, where he was – what did he do to Gato? What did he do that you decided to book him like this? Because mm-hmm. we waited so long, and now as a fan, I feel disappointed, man. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you think that they're going to do Juice and Cody again? Uh, they could. It's going to be – I think it really all depends on – what uh, what Cody's walking into with into Wrestle Kingdom? If Cody's still the NWA champion, I can see the uh, NWA title match at mm. Wrestle Kingdom. My my whole thing with Juice is this. Okay, if you want to do this storyline, great. But New Japan obviously has this tendency when they cool guys down, they'll give them a breathing period before they come back and start investing in them again. It could be four months, it could be six months, it could be a year. I think that is not the right way to go Yeah. this particular situation. They've done that with Juice before. They've made him pay his dues. They put him in the tag teams. They put, you know what I mean? Right. If you're going to put him through this heartbreak, kayfabe-wise, right now, I think in order to capitalize on it, you need a quick turnaround. I'm not saying that... He needs to win the belt at Power Struggle, but I'm saying if you're just – I don't think that putting him in multi-man matches from now until January is the right way to go about this no. because that's going to do nothing but really hurt this guy. Like you want to talk – then at that point, it is almost like they buried him. Yeah, we've got a question from uh, why did you do that, bro, on Reddit. He says, do we think that New Japan is pushing Cody too hard? Ooh, that's a good question. What do you think? Um, I don't know because you know Cody he he doesn't have that many 
New Japan dates. They do see him as a top star. He's part of the Bullet Club, you know, one of the, you know, cash cows of both the New Japan and Ring of Honor promotions. Um, so, you know, he's on a higher pecking order than, than a Juice Robinson. Um, and it would have been good for him to, to elevate Juice by beating Cody. But, you know, the one I can understand, you know, Cody's Bullet Club guy, NWA champion. Right now, he's hot. And you can make a lot of money with Cody right now. Uh, I don't know if it's being pushed too hard. I don't know. Well, I think there's a few things that play into it. He's Dusty Rhodes' son. He's from the WWE. That's always he's a he's a name. He's been on national television. He's wrestled at WrestleManias. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he he's one of those guys. He's and he has a family legacy that stretches over to Japan. So it does make sense why they've always kind of gone with him because they, they do see him as a star and for better or worse, new Japan does have a tendency to go with guys that, that have histories over within WWE. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and at the same time, like Cody has done a lot of things. He popped ring of honor. He, Drew all the all this money and all the and all this merchandise and being the elite and then all in and revitalizing the NWA title and from a business perspective he's done a lot. Um, at the same time, there was a time where he'd come out and the Japanese crowd did not care about Cody Rhodes and I said this in the early days of our show where I was like. Cody could be any guy from WCW in the mid '90s, a Lex Luger or a Rick Rude who just shows up in Japan, a Steve Austin and Arn Anderson. They do not care right. about these guys. They're not stars over there, and that's what it felt like with Cody until this year's Wrestle Kingdom with the um, Kota Ibushi match. That was the first time where it was like, okay, he, like he's made it. And at this point, I do think to a degree he has made it, but you know, he didn't work that G1. He's not, like, signed to this company. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've seen it hold guys back in the past where they weren't exclusive or really signed for real to this company. So it does, it is a little bit perplexing that they, they do push Cody so hard. He has lost very few matches in New Japan. I mean, who's beaten him? Kota Bushi and Kenny Omega? Yeah. That's about it? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. He, he does work a few dates. I think it's interesting that they decided to, to put the title on him. And in a way, I feel like it's New Japan horned themselves out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, for me to – I don't mean to put it that way, but that's what it kind of seems like. Um, you know, they're just putting some gold on him because he's, he's hot right now. And I don't know if he should have done – I don't know if they should have done that. Yeah. I, I'm a little critical of this. I'm not going to say that I'm all out and out against it. And if it leads to something good, great. But we're going to get to it here in a moment but like he's not defending that belt on the next pay-per-view so it is like did he need it did you know what i mean right couldn't they have done something better different with cody during this and and given why couldn't juice have wrestled a re, i don't i'm not saying for sure a return match with goto or he, he could have wrestled like a goto or something like that yeah i thought it, been a, it could have been a great story to have do juice and goto and have juice finally beat goto could have done that they could have done zack saber they could have done Naito, I mean, all sorts of guys. Sonata, Sonata evil. There, yeah, and not only that, he lost to a lot of these guys during the G1, so it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I do think that they push Cody. It's not that it's undeserved, but in a way, get within the context of the company by itself, 
it is a little bit undeserved, and I yeah. do think they push him a little bit too hard. All right, so let's move on now to the main event of the evening. We had the chaos team of Tomohiro Ishii and Kazuchika Okada taking on the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega, the current IWGP heavyweight champion, and Kota Ibushi, G1 semi or G1 finalist um, with uh, Tanahashi. So, yeah, man, this was, you know, another banger on this card. Dude, this year has been like the year of tag matches. Yeah. Like, there have been so many high-end tag matches, not just in New Japan, but across the world. But, like, in this month alone, there have been two really, really high-end tag matches, and the Golden Lovers were involved in both of them. Um, which is... And I talked about this on a previous show where, like, it's it does seem like... For however long the Golden Lovers are going to be tagging together, they want to leave behind a, this legacy for this period of their careers together. You know what I mean? Right. But, man, I mean, who thought that this wasn't going to be good anyways? I mean, Ishii, Okada, Omega, and Ibushi? Come on. Yeah, dude. You have, like, four of the best wrestlers. I mean, four guys that are probably going to be uh, up for our Wrestler of the Year award in one matchup. Like, yeah, I expected nothing less. <laughs> Now, I think that if they had put this, if they had advertised this match earlier, which I don't know why they couldn't have to begin with. Right. But I, I think that this would have drawn better. Definitely. At Walter at the Walter Pyramid. Yeah. Um, I I think that it, it it's a little bit problematic that they didn't sell out this building. They should have. It's a five thousand seat arena. I know that that's a lot, but at the same time, because they've already done it before and how hot the prox been. You've got to do everything in your power to make sure that you do. And this is a, a match that would have had a lot of attention. People would have wanted to have seen it. And people were excited once it came out. Like, like the general consensus once this card got released was that people were pretty much excited about it. Right, but at that point, it's too late, it to, too make, late. to you know make travel plans or make arrangements. It was too late. Yeah. But this match ended up delivering on so many different levels. I mean, Ishii's wars that he had this year with Kenny and Kotobushi during the G1 and then during the Destruction Tour. And then you've got Omega and Okada's epic, you know, I don't know what you call it, but the four matches that they've had. Yeah, their rivalry. Ibushi and Okada obviously, you know, have history. So, I mean, there's so many moving parts here. This this match just with the back history between these guys, the talent levels of these guys, and then the chemistry that they all have, this is just, it was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I keep saying this this phrase, but a high pace, man. High pace action. The work rate. Yes. The work rate was super, super high level. Like, these guys didn't slow down at all. And then um, what was really cool is, like, they kept Okada and Omega apart for a long time throughout the match. Yeah, and then finally when they got in there, they got that big pop when they had that, that moment where just two of them standing in the ring together. It's still a big match, man. Like, oh. it's still it's still a big match. Like, yeah. they can still do, you know, a Wrestle Kingdom if they wanted to with that. They could do MSG with that. Like, I don't know if they will, but, man, Okada and Omega, like... There's still so much hype for that, even with Okada being broken and everything. Like it's, it was awesome. And then Ishii, I actually was listening to, I think it was the Brian Finney show mm -hmm. today, and they, uh, they were reviewing this, and 
um, Vinny said that Ishii is the smallest little Godzilla you've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, that is like the best way to, to like describe Tomohiro Ishii. Yes. Because to me, he seems like the biggest guy in this match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the way he would just like fight through like the strikes from both Kenny and Kota. Dude, everybody in here was just freaking killing each other. Like, what what spots, like, what really stuck out to you here? Because to uh, me, like, I was watching this match, but things were just happening. And I was like, how, like, how do I call this? How do I right. keep up with this? Um, I, I loved uh, Kenny's counter of the Rainmaker into that big Uranagi. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I loved, you know, Kota Bushi, the, uh, the double knee moonsault uh, gimmick thing he's been doing lately. He did that on Ishii. On Ishii that yeah. one, he got all of that one, too. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Oh, the, uh, the powerbomb German combo. Yeah. Uh, Golden Lovers. Yeah, so, I mean, with this one, um, it was just a really, really, really fast-paced match. Um JR was loving it. Like, yeah. JR is obviously like JR when he calls access, he's mostly calling these guys. So he's a lot more familiar with them. And that's kind of where he shines is in the big match sort of atmosphere. And so him and Kevin Kelly did an excellent job calling this match. Um, what do you think about people saying that this was like the best tag team match of the year, or like the best tag team match they've seen? Uh, don't get me wrong. This was a excellent tag team match. Uh, I don't know if it's the best match. I personally, I think I like Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks uh, better than this matchup. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree because the storytelling and the emotion of that match. Yeah. But man, this this you know it's like New Japan is a company where historically speaking, like yeah, they've had tag teams, they got tag leagues, things like that. But it's like they're not really known for having excellent tag team matches. I mean, that was like all Japan in the 90s was kind of that way. And, you know, you have your excellent tag team matches, fast-paced stuff in like Dragon Gate or whatever. But um, this year, they've had so many good tag team matches. Yeah, they have. And a lot of that has to do with the Golden Lovers. A lot of it has to do with Omega and uh, Ibushi kind of going in there and just putting on banger after banger. Like every match that they've had this year has been really, really, really good. Yeah. Like... All year. All year. Yeah, man. Another good thing I appreciated about this match was, you know, it, it was pretty much all about the action. Like, they could have made this a lot about the attention between Omega and Ibushi. They could have added some more chaos drama in here. But they really didn't do any of that. They just let these guys tell the story in the ring. Yeah, they um, obviously those things are still coming, and you know it's not like we've forgotten about them. But this being the main event of this card, I think that the way they worked this was worked perfectly for this crowd and for this night, and just a really awesome main event. And the reason why I keep mentioning the the insane pace and the work rate is because so many things happen. It's like really yeah, hard to like yeah, keep it's, up. Yeah, it's hard to like... It's, but it's like these four guys are wrestling on a different level than like the rest of the world. Like it's crazy how high level these guys are. Like... I, I mentioned like all like the all Japan tag team matches, but that's kind of like what this in a way, not exactly the same, but in a different way. Like it reminded me of like, you know, the Holy Demon Army against freaking, um, you know, Mizawa and like Kabashi. Like that's what it reminded me of. I was like, these, this, I want to see this again. Yeah, I want to see this again. Like, 
Like bring it. <laughs> it was awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. And then, so the, the Golden Lovers end up uh, hitting the golden trigger on Ishii after uh, Ishii had countered a Kamigoye and, um, you know, they ended up kicking Okada out. They ended up turning it into a golden trigger and then they got Ishii out of there, which I thought it was great when they were calling it to their like It took both of them basically to get rid of Ishii. They had yeah. to. So really, 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 really good. Um, nothing for me to to really criticize. I just thought this was awesome. Yeah, excellent, excellent main event. Then we had a post match promo. All the Bullet Club elite guys come out there. You know, Omega says it wasn't a perfect night for the group overall. Uh, he says he sees happy faces that came to watch the elite. Says there's more to come, and he says that him and Ibushi had a promise. The fans want to see the rematch, and he wants it at King of Pro Wrestling next week. But then out comes Cody, and says he wants to help them out and take the burden from them. He says they're all friends now, so next week, uh, Ibushi versus Cody versus Omega. Omega says it's a good idea and says they want to make history. There's only been one triple threat for the IWGP title, so let's rewrite history and have the triple threat. Uh, Omega says this is about the beauty and originality of pro wrestling. And, of course, we get the goodbye and goodnight bang. And we got our triple threat match for King of Pro Wrestling. And we got a couple questions about that. Uh, So Jars of Peanuts says, uh, why... um, give Cody the U.S. championship if he's going to insert himself into the IWGP heavyweight title match. Why is Cody even allowed another chance at the belt when he lost a singles match for the belt at the last California show? I really don't know. Those are great questions, and I feel like they're more, like, rhetorical. Like, you're giving us your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't disagree with you at all. I don't... I'm wondering the same thing. Why are you putting that belt on him if he's just going to turn around and not defend it at the next big show? Why is he? Why did he get an immediate title shot? Or why is he getting a title shot for the IWGB title when he just lost, you know, at the Cow Palace in July? What has he done between now and then to earn a title shot? Unless you want to be like, oh, well, I mean, honestly, if you want to put it like if this was like. Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura he'd be like he's giving title shots to his friends like <laughs> yeah that's basically what like Kenny's doing he's giving title shots to his friends like, yeah like where's Harold Mai in this where's the IWGP like why why the crap are they doing this um I don't like this build I don't like this yeah. build at all at all I'm very 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 against it yeah. I'm not against the match but I freaking hate this build. So so speaking of that, uh, Rich asks the question. He says, I decided to give us a chance, like Kenny said, against my better judgment because I'm tired of Cody being near Kenny. That being said, how do you guys feel about the IWGP title getting contested for in a gimmicky three-way? It feels like Omega is getting thrown a curveball here. Well, what were your thoughts on, um, on what Jar Peanuts had asked? Uh, I mean, I'm in the same camp with you. I I don't know why he won the U.S. title, especially if he's going to be in this triple threat match. Um, They could have kept the U.S. title in a separate matchup for King of Pro Wrestling. And I I don't know why he's getting it. Do you think they just want his name on the record books to add, like, some prestige to the lineage and he's going to turn around and probably maybe drop it real quick? The U.S. title? Yeah, or do you see him holding it for, like, a while? Like, do you think maybe they're trying to heat somebody else up by, by parlaying his, you know, 
hotness into because the man's hot. Yeah, man, man, man is hot. Man is hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they see like right now, Cody is one of the hottest guys in the world. Uh, on, in the in the American like as uh, it's an American star, the Gaijin. He's one of the hottest guys you can have right now, and so to have him as the U.S. champion in the big picture does make sense. But um, do you think it's to keep them around? It could be, but I mean, I I don't really I don't like I, I don't see those guys going anywhere. I think at at the worst, I think they might end up being like a free agency kind of thing and maybe working multiple promotions, including Ring of Honor and New Japan. But I don't see these guys going to WWE. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with the NWA title and this push that Cody's getting. And How freaking weird does that sound? What you just said. That he can use the NW the NWA title, that's like we that's a title that we literally we have a group thread, you guys, and we we make jokes about how unprestigious the NWA belt is, and then all of a sudden it is prestigious out of nowhere. Dude, Caleb Caleb was woke out here. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb had the vision like before anybody else. Knew yeah, about he it. did, man. Um, but yeah, like in 2018, the the belt that Cahagas wore, the belt that Tim Storm wore. That you, Cabana. Yeah, like you can turn around and use that as a bargaining chip to like to get a hot placement, like in a yeah. company. It and sounds think, so weird. You know, they got the uh, the very popular ten pounds of gold series on YouTube. It's doing so, well. So you know, there's going to be some New Japan footage in that now. So it's like you know, you, New Japan's probably going to capitalize off of that. So yeah, um, I mean, the synergy makes sense to me, but. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, Rich's Rich's question was essentially, you know, what are our thoughts on on this match? Essentially, well, the thought of the IWGP title being defended in a three way. Do you know when the other three way was? No, I don't. I do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it, I don't think it was Wrestle Kingdom yet. It was at the Tokyo Dome on January fourth in two thousand. I want to say four. Uh, it was the match between Masahiro Chono. Um, Oh my god, I'm forgetting. It was Masahiro Chono and Brock Lesnar and I think Kazuki Fujita. I want to say it was Fujita. Um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah, I can't, I can't tell you whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> but what what are your thoughts on um, you know them doing a triple threat? Uh, it was it was Fujita. Yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Uh, personally, I, I'm it was yeah. 2005, by the way, January 4th, oh, 2005. That's okay. when that's when Lesnar actually came in the company and immediately won the belt, which started one of the worst title reigns of all time. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I'm I'm not completely like against the title being defended in a three way. Um, I know some people are down on three ways. I I think with the right guys and the right story, a three way can be good. And I think it's since it, it hasn't been done since '05. Um, you know, it's it's rare. It's an attraction. It's something different. Um, now, if they were doing you know triple threats every big show for the title, I think I might have a problem with that. But this is a rare occasion. Something different. Uh, I'm not completely against it. It's stupid. <laughs> I think it's stupid. Okay. Here's why I think that it's stupid. I'm not against a three-way. 
Right, that's what I'm, talk- I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not against the belt being defended in a three-way. This particular three-way, I don't know if it makes... Like, these three guys, I don't know if it makes this perfect sense. This is dumb. I, I don't like it at all. And here's a, here's a few reasons why. Um, I'm a Cody fan. But we already had Cody and Kenny twice this year. I don't think that, given the the booking, that it, it made any sense to insert him into this. Now, I don't think... You know, I know a lot of people were mad about the idea of not getting Cody, or I'm sorry, getting Kenny and Kota Ibushi at King of Pro Wrestling. Um, and guys, we weren't we weren't gonna get that at that show. Like th- that's a big big match, and so there's no way that they should be throwing that match away with a one week build. Right. But that's the problem. It's a one week build. Okay. It's that's that's the problem. It's a one week build, and it's like okay. You want to make Kenny a big star, right? And you want him to be this foreign ace and represent your company to the outside world. Don't freaking put him in a triple threat match with Ibushi and Cody. And it's like Omega had to cut a promo about it and talk about how this is about the beauty and originality of pro wrestling. Nobody freaking cares about that, okay? <laughs> I, I, I hate when they start talking about wrestling that way and like the art of it and the expression. Nah, dude, this is a fake fight. I'm I'm here for I'm here for the smoke, okay? I'm here for the freaking fights. I want to see guys that have problems with each other fight, and um, like this just seems like something. You know what this feels like? It seems like something we should be getting on like a uh, New Japan Ring of Honor, like War of the Worlds type of show. Yeah, this feels like a like a ROH type of booking decision, booking kind of match that you might get at like the Elk Lodge. <laughs> Like, this does not... Where are they going to be? They're going to be at Sumo Hall? Yeah. This is stupid for Sumo Hall. Now, I don't want to be totally negative on it. The match will probably be good. But I'm like, dude, who cares if the match is good if at the end of the day, when you look back at Kenny Omega's title reign, look at... I mean, Kenny still had a great year, but like, it's not like this has been a stellar title reign. Right. He went, I from, mean, he went from beating uh, freaking Okada... Ending one of the greatest and most prestigious title runs of all time, and then he went right into the Cody match, which is like we get it. They've been building to it. It's in the U.S., so I'll give you that. But then he went into the G1, and things kind of were, you know, they were whatever they were. It's the G1, but now he comes out of it in the Ishii match, and it, the Ishii match was like it was it was very good, but it wasn't like legendary. And then a few weeks later, they're giving him this, and it's like there's no, there's nothing to sink your teeth into. There's nothing to really chomp at. Like this is not exciting to me <laughs> as a New Japan fan. I don't want to see Ibushi, Cody, and Omega wrestle each other. I don't know why Cody would even be involved in this. Except right? Didn't we get over it? Like they have made up. Like aren't, aren't, all three of these guys are in the same faction. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> now, with that being said, I know we're criticizing it. Who could they have put him against at King of Pro Wrestling? Or should he even be defending the belt at King of Pro Wrestling if they don't have a if, title challenge? If already? they wanted to defend the belt, I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Dude, that is what they... Sh- so, yeah, it really felt like they were setting up a future title match. That's why we thought that Zack was going to win at G1, because we thought they were setting up a match for King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. It would be way better to see that. I'll, I'll give you the name of a few guys that they could have potentially set him up against possibly Naito yeah possibly Suzuki possibly Zack Sabre Jr 
those are three guys just off the top of my head. Not saying that given the the current storylines that they should, but they could have. I don't know. Here's one. Chris Jericho. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All those sound better to me than this. Every single one of them. I, I'm not – I'm kind of pissed about this and I – I really have to strongly criticize New Japan's booking of this because I feel like they're mishandling the, um, the Kenny Omega's title reign. Yeah. Um, not to say we'll probably turn around next week and sound like dopes and you know we'll talk about how great this match was or whatever and that's all well and good but this booking doesn't it's not very it's not good booking from a company that has such great booking this is pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's an odd one, and it's because they're they're waiting for so long. To release stuff. And so Rich had another question. Says, do you think that they should have done uh, Tanahashi versus Okada at Fighting Spirit Unleashed? Like, should instead of having it in Kobe, should it happen in uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed? Well, um, I mean, I guess we could talk about it now. So, I mean, Okada and Tanahashi have both been pretty critical of the booking of the U.S. shows. Um, They both had interviews on New Japan uh, and JPW1972.com where they both addressed, you know, the fact that they don't think that these shows that we're getting are truly representative of what New Japan Pro Wrestling is. And it's not to say that there aren't guys on the shows that are... New Japan stars, but they're like, you know, for instance, when they were like talking about Golden Lovers against Young Bucks, like this is New Japan, and like Okada was like, this is New Japan, that's not New Japan. Like <laughs> he's like, and both of them have said like they want to wrestle each other in America, Okada and Tanahashi. I think the American fans would freaking flip. You you do that at Walter Pyramid, they're definitely selling out. Yeah, I mean, they might have diminishing returns on that match in Japan. But you do that here in America. It's fresh in America. Yeah. Now, at the same time, do I think that they should have done it in America? Probably. No. No, because I, I think given the timing of what they need to do for uh, King of Pro Wrestling with where they're going with Tanahashi and Jay White, which I'm assuming we're getting that there. Probably not. But at the same time, because um, then again, that's a, a one-week build. But... Uh, no, I don't think they should have done it on this U.S. show, but maybe they should have done it in the past, and maybe they should do it in the future, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Madison Square Garden would be a great place for it. What do you, And what do you think about Okada Tanahashi's, like, you know, statements about, like, you know, that things are getting too westernized, and it's they're not truly representing, like, the authentic New Japan? Right, we kind of touched it on it at the beginning of the show, talking with all the Ring of Honor guys and stuff being on the card. Uh... I mean, I think they need to just treat these U.S. shows like they would treat any other New Japan show. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Sure, it's cool to have some of these Ring of Honor guys, especially if they're going to be working tag, both tag leagues or doing other programs. But book it like you would book a regular New Japan card. Don't overemphasize putting a bunch of guys in on the card just because you're in the States. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um... That's going to do it for Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Do we have any more questions? Uh, no, that was it. Okay, awesome. So that's going to bring us to the news portion of... Uh, well, before we get to the news, let's um, award, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. award the September uh, Wrestler of the Month and Match of the Month. So, dude, th- this these awards like freaking snuck up on me. Like, I... 
I was like, you told me tonight before we recorded, we're like, yeah, we got to do the wrestler of the month and the and the match of the month. And I was like, for what? And you're like, <laughs> September's over. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, um, I was trying to even remember, but like, because we had that long break and then we got the destruction show. So, um, we had some really, really, for match of the month, I'll just kind of run through some of the matches that really stuck out to me. So, obviously, the, some of the matches that I felt like were in contention was um, Ishii and Will Ospreay taking on the Golden Lovers from the first night, uh, where I think that was in Beppu. Yeah. Um, that no, the, the first night was... Hiroshima? Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, Kenny versus... Think, that's it. I can't. No, no, no. That was on the first night of well, the Road to Destruction. That was in Cork. Right, right, right. My right, bad. Yeah. Um, we had Kenny Omega taking on um, Tomohiro Ishii. Another really, really great match. Um, obviously, on this card, we had Skrull and um, Osprey. Osprey, as well as Golden Lovers against Ishii and Okada. But, but for, for me, as great as those matches are, it can be none other than Tanahashi and Okada. Absolutely, man. Just, for the uh, briefcase. Just a masterpiece, dude. A masterpiece. Like, And I think, is that the second time this year that they've won match of the month? Yeah. So, I mean... Dude, this is like kind of like quietly sneaking up on us. Like for me, this is the in-ring feud of the year, and it might be the feud of the year in New Japan. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, there's no, nothing that really comes close to it, really. Nah, unless you're unless you love this Bullet Club like Civil War, <laughs> you really really love the Lij Suzuki Goon stuff that's happened this year. Yeah. Or you just really really like Suji and Yumura, <laughs> and they're fifteen draws. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean that's to me that's got to be like up there. And then for Wrestler of the Month was a little bit tougher because we had a a lot of weird stuff going on like with the Destruction shows. Some guys would be on like half the tour and then gone and that sort of thing. So I mean, for you, who who, who do you think was Wrestler of the Month? To me, I think you could. It really breaks down to. A few options, and that one you could you could consider uh, Tomohiro Ishii uh, having the tag match with Osprey against the Golden Lovers, the title match against Kenny Omega, and then this tag match here, or teaming with Okada against Golden Lovers. Um, Ishii is definitely a, a candidate. Uh, then also you can uh, look at. Uh, the aerial assassin Will Ospreay once again that same Golden Lovers match with Ishii um, then the Skrull match and plus Ospreay was all over the Destruction Tour in multi-man matches and looked great on those also but ultimately I think it comes down to the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega once again he was in the Golden Lovers match with against Ishii and Osprey. They won that match. He beat Ishii in uh, Hiroshima for the IWGP title. Then he had this epic tag match here against um, uh, Okada and Ishii, winning this, uh, putting out great performances all throughout these matches. Also, I mean, I know we we typically don't count excursion stuff, but the match with Pentagon Jr. at yep. All In. Yep. Um, so Kenny's just been having, you know, a great month. Yeah, I mean, Will Ospreay really stuck out to me as having awesome performances all throughout every night of the Destruction Tour. Same thing with Ishii. So, I mean, you could almost make arguments, but when you factor in the kayfabe sense and you factor in, you know, that this guy's 
killing it in the main event right now, plus what you just mentioned with All In. For me, it's got to be Kenny Omega. And I think this is the first month we've given Kenny Omega Wrestler of the Month honors. Yeah. There have been a lot of months where we've like... He was almost there, but... But at the same time... I will say September was a weaker month of the year, so yeah. that is, that's another thing to keep into consideration. But um, congratulations, Kenny Omega, you're our wrestler of the month. Congratulations to Okada and Tanahashi, match yeah. of the month. All right, so now that we got that taken care of, let's jump into the news. So the first thing I, I kind of want to talk about real quick is um, the post-match interviews that the, the Golden Lovers did, because we already kind of talked about the World Tag League. Did you catch where... Um, they asked Kenny if they would be involved in the, in the World Tag League. Yes, I did, and um, you know Kenny was saying, you know, going into World Tag League that means you want to win and you want to fight for the tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom. He's like, well, you know, I'm planning on being the IWGP champion going in Wrestle Kingdom, so I can't, you know, it doesn't make sense to be in the tag league for. So how excited are, can we possibly be for this World Tag League with no Golden Lovers and no Young Bucks, <sighs> dude? Um, yeah, I don't know. Dude, I feel like what we might need to do, we might need to switch on and off. You take a night, I take a <laughs> night, and we bring you the coverage that way. We might need to split the, we might need it. They want to do a tag team? We're going to have to tag team. Because <laughs> I'm going to have to take a powder, bro. Like, I don't know. Um, but we've got some news here. So um, Tamatanga was recently interviewed by Uproxx Magazine talking about the Bullet Club Civil War, everything that's been going on, kind of, you know, and... Uh, you know, say what you will about Tamatanga, but he is a great interview. So if you get a chance, I'd highly recommend that you check out that interview on uprocks.com. Um, right now, the penetrating um, rumor and the rumor that just keeps persisting that I keep seeing all over the place is that um, Chris Jericho is expected apparently to wrestle for the to defend the intercontinental title against evil at power struggle so i know like we kind of speculated on this and i'd sort of said that i did not see any way that he'd be wrestling at a show like power power struggle but that seems to the rumor is when king of pro wrestling comes next week you might want to keep your eyes out for jericho good chance that he you know he might do his whole Jericho thing, and then that would set up a match at Power Struggle, freeing up um, Jericho to do something, say, Wrestle Kingdom time. Um, whether this is the truth or not, I don't know. I will say this. I've been nothing but wrong about Y2J every step <laughs> of the way all year long. Like, when we talk about me having the vision, I do not have the vision when it comes to Chris Jericho. <laughs> yeah, dude. You, you, just, you never know what Jericho is going to do. And you know what's funny? That's your only answer, and you're always right because you just keep saying, well, you never know, and then it's, you sound so smart because it's like, well, I told you, you never know. <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't trust Jericho. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's all you got to do is just don't trust Jericho. He says, he says he's not showing up. I mean, he's showing up. I mean, he's showing up. He's not showing up. So just don't trust the man. Um, also, there are rumors right now. I don't take it with a grain of salt, but uh, that Neville has been um, – or Pac, as he is also known, has been offered a potential match at Wrestle Kingdom. And so that there have been some feelers. It does sound like, based on the news that's out there right now, he's kind of just gone radio silent. Yeah, I mean, he's already kind of dropped off the radar in general, but promoters were contacting him. Um, and now I'm, I'm hearing that he's not reaching back out to these promoters. Well, whether he comes or not, from what the rumors are saying... There is a match on the table with him. I think the match that they might might be trying to put together is potentially him and Will Ospreay. 
which would be Kingdom. amazing. Yeah, it'd be awesome. But uh, we, we will keep our ears to the ground and see what comes of that. Uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World um, had their New Japan downloadable content come out this past week on Steam for the PC. So if you're a PC player and you want to use the... Um, you know, the actual New Japan Pro Wrestlers and you want to download it, that is now available to you. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi's movie, My Dad is a Heel Wrestler, has just come out this past week. Um, we don't know too much about it. Don't know if it's good. Don't know anything. But um, there were some reviews that have started to drop, and they seem to be nothing but positive. Really? Dude, Rich and I were, like, cracking up. The, the tra- they were, like, before the show, they were showing, like, the trailer over and over again. And we were just, like, cracking up, like, how cheesy it looks. It looks like, you know, like, some, like, WWE films, like, something like John Cena would be in. Uh, just- what are you talking about? It looks awesome. <laughs> I want to see it so bad. Like, I really, really, really want to oh see it. Oh, um, Fighting on Spirit or Fighting Spirit Unleashed was this past week, as we've talked about uh, on New J- on the New Japan website. They had a bunch of Fighting Spirit Unleashed uh, merchandise, new shirts, new hats. So if you want to uh, pick up some of that new merch, you don't have to wait in that long line and miss the good matches. You can actually go online right now and pick that up. Um, there was a health update on Yoshihashi, the fallen soldier in arms. Um, apparently, he had to be treated for injuries to his shoulders as well as his head. So we don't, you know, he seems to be recovering and will, but there is no timetable for his return to the ring. So, yeah, that fall is pretty serious, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jay White was on the cover of Weekly Pro this past week, which was really cool. So, if you, you know, go online, you might want to check that out. And then, um, you know, right now for King of Pro Wrestling, we have a few matches that are confirmed. We know that we're getting Kushida against Marty Skrull for the IWGP Junior uh, Heavyweight Championship, as well as getting um, Kenny Omega, Kota Bushi, and Cody for the IWGP Heavyweight uh, title. Is there anything else that's been confirmed? I don't know. I'm, I'm checking their Twitter account right now just in case they've dropped something while we've been recording. Wouldn't that be like them to just drop that right when we're recording? No, it'll be like them to drop it after we're, reco- after we're done recording. Um, in news outside of uh, New Japan, so Michael Elgin made his return to CMLL this past Friday night. So if you get a chance, you might want to check out the work that he did there. Um, also, speaking of CMLL, so they have an uh, invitational tournament coming up this uh, Friday, and if you are an Honor Club subscriber, you will be able to stream that live via the Honor Club. So, um, and there's a lot, of, there's actually a lot of talent that's gonna be on that from all over the, the world, and Ring of Honor guys, I think there might even be some New Japan guys, so um, if you wanna check out Lucha Libre Action, pick up Honor Club, you'll be able to see that this Friday. Um, in other uh, news, which was very, very exciting, um, Two companies that have never done shows in the U.S. are going to be doing shows in New York this coming WrestleMania weekend as DDT and WXW have announced that they're going to be working with WWN to uh, put on shows for WrestleMania weekend. And I am pumped about that. Those are two shows that I want to be at that weekend. So as soon as tickets are at least I'm probably going to drop my money on those um, and add that to the long list of shows I want to go to that weekend. I think those shows are going to, even if just as oddities, I think they're going to do very, very well for you know WWN. So I'm excited. I hope to be at those shows as well. Um, there are new shirts that came out this past week for LIJ as well as SCU and Hot Topics. So you might want to check those out. Um, speaking of foreign shows, Fight Club Pro from the UK uh, just recently announced that they'll be running shows in Cork and Hall this coming January. So, um, you know, 
the whole scene over in the UK just keeps thriving, and that's pretty awesome. We do have unfortunate news. So we kind of uh, reported last week about Joey Janela hurting his knee, and it seems to be a pretty serious deal. Yeah, dude. I saw his promo on Twitter talking about the injury and all the different tears and strains and, you know, just his, his knee is wrecked. Yeah, he messed up his CMLL, his or CML, <laughs> his ACL, his ACL, his, his MCL, MCL yeah. his meniscus, and yeah it's, yeah, it's bad. That man, he's he's man, it's, he's oh, getting surgery. What for are sure. they going to do for spring break? I don't know. Well, he'll probably be there, but he'll be there, but yeah, no, no um, match. He's definitely. Well, we don't. Do we have a timetable on how how long he's gonna be out? I don't know, but I mean, if all the, the it just sounds like he'd be out for. Usually, you know, those ACL, you know, injuries are like six months to a year. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, to Neil Dashwood, who uh, wrestled for the Women of Honor title this past uh, weekend, she uh, cut a promo, I think, during the TV tapings and announced that she's taking time off. Apparently, her shoulder is really banged up, and she's dealing with a lot of injuries and has been for a while. So she's actually on the shelf. I I don't know. Is that a storyline, or it seemed like it was No, it's, it seemed legit. And at first, I was pissed off that... <laughs> That she lost to uh, Sumi Sakai because I'm over the Sumi Sakai one woman of honor title reign. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, she had the injury and there's some other like sickness or something that she, she had. She's saying she had like a skin problem. Yeah. And- so yeah, it seems like a shoot, and uh, that's why she did not beat Sumi Sakai. Um, the 70th uh, anniversary of the uh, the 70th 70th anniversary show for the NWA is coming up. Um, they're running a national heavyweight tournament to crown the you know to recrown a, a national champion for the NWA. Uh, both Scorpio Sky and Colt Cabana of Ring of Honor will be in that tournament. So uh, we had that news. They also announced this past weekend that. Cody versus Nick Aldis is now going to be a two out of three falls match for the yeah. NWA title. Mm-hmm. So just kind of upping the ante on that. Uh, I don't know if we if this came out. We might, we might not have mentioned this, but um, Jim Cornette is going to be. I mentioned Jim, it last week. We, yeah. we, okay. I don't know if we did, but yeah. It's going to be him and Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this past weekend, Death Before Dishonor uh, ran. And we, uh, you actually got to check out that show, right? Yes, I did watch that show. And, you know, overall... Um, it was a two-match show. Um, That's what I was hearing. I mean, Liger was on the show, and he, he seemed to be, you know, the whole thing with Kenny King. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Liger in the opening match, so you kind of get that. Um, other than that, though, I mean, there wasn't a lot of New Japan talent. I mean, the, the New Japan talent was in the top two matches, and that's where it seemed like, you know, most of the crowd was into that's what the crowd was into and what right. really drew them yeah that that crowd well, that was like a bullet club crowd like they came for that bullet club match it's kind of surprising because ring of honor typically has pretty good like pay-per-views all year they've had a great track record of putting yeah when it's an actual pay-per-view yeah they've done well but uh, this this one got a lot of kind of negative reviews yeah for, to me i think part of the problem is they 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 put all the Bullet Club guys in one match. Mm. They should have peppered them throughout the card, um, had those guys spread out. So in the co-main event, they did the Bullet Club Elite, Cody, Marty, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks taking on the Team of Chaos, Okada, Best Friends, Rocky Romero, and Tomohiro Ishii. And this match got time, 21 minutes, and it seemed to be... You know, there's a lot of good reports about this match. Yeah, it, it was a great match. Uh, Skrull got the win for the Bullet Club with the chicken wing on Rocky Romero. No surprise there. Uh, but, yeah, good stuff. And then uh, Will Ospreay versus Jay Lethal. 
was another just another banger from Osprey. I, I rated like four and a half. Um, just great stuff from both Osprey and Lethal. I'll have to check that out for sure. Um, if you follow Ring of Honor, you don't want spoilers. You might want to skip ahead at this point. But there were some uh, some updates on what's going on on night two during the TV taping. So um, Jeff Cobb ended up defeating the reigning world our uh, yeah world television champion Punishment Martinez, um, lifting the belt off of him. And then the persistent rumors are that Punishment Martinez is done with Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh- I think that's a, a big loss for them. Punishment Martinez was a kind of a homegrown guy, um, a, a, you know, a future star for them, and they just, they kind of dropped the ball there. And apparently, he's WWE bound. That's going to be bad news for Baron Corbin. <laughs> yep. And then um, the last bit, there was a new Being the Elite that came out. Was that today? Yeah, new Being the Elite. I was you know scrolling through Twitter, and Nick Jackson's like, you want new Being the Elite? I'm uploading it right now. Uh, so he uploaded it. Uh, and then you clicked on it like a mark. Yep, I sure did. <laughs> 16-minute <laughs> um, episode. Um, you know, it was a lot of them, you know, traveling to um, Las Vegas and to... Uh, Long Beach, um, there wasn't as much storyline stuff as there usually was. I mean, there was an SCU scene where they're at In-N-Out Burger and they, they're trying to enjoy SCU. And then the the two guys with the fingers, Trevor, whatever the other dude's name, the weird voices or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They came and, like, ruined SCU for them. And uh, Matt, ja- yeah, Matt Jackson keeps hearing this, like, ticking noise all throughout the episode and then like he looks at his phone like there's some kind of like weird countdown clock thing well hopefully it's something that they actually pay off I don't yeah. know I feel like I have to check out this episode and uh tri- Triple H apparently Triple H sent Hangman Page new boots huh cause like they gave him this box or whatever like yeah there's, there's some mark gave us this for you and so like he opens the box and there's like a note and they're like he's like if you wanna you know be an assassin you need to be more cerebral and uh <laughs> and it's, it's signed h <laughs> it's a new pair of boots that's hilarious uh, yeah so yeah i hope um you know that they can kind of keep up the comedy that they've had in the past it feels like they kind of blew everything off at all in so i'm like are they gonna have new bits like it almost feels like being the lead's over for me like yeah I don't- well it's funny that's the first scene is like all of them are like waiting in the locker room and like you know, i'm here i'm here i'm here and like they're like, he's 12 minutes late. And then finally, like, Marty runs in. They're like, you're late. What took you so long? He's like, late for what? He's like, for being the elite, Reed. Being the elite? I thought that shit got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. But, um, yeah, so that's going to do it for the news. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in and, you know, sticking with us, all you that do. And um, those of you who left, you guys can suck it. <laughs> I'm just playing, but no, we really appreciate what you guys, you know. We, oh, you know what? I did want to say, we had someone criticize us, like, for the first time, like, for real, for real this past yeah. week. I was like, what's that dude's problem? But yeah. I was like, we've made it. Like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, the haters are starting to come out. That's all right. <laughs>
<laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. This is, this, yeah. this is the part where you do what you I know. Do. I thought you were going to say something else. But, I, uh, I, I was just thanking, you know, the listeners, and then you, you didn't show any gratitude. You just got quiet. Like, <laughs> I ain't putting them over, no. <laughs> no, I do appreciate all the downloads, all the listens, all the support. You know, you know keep sharing us, guys. Help us get over. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a review of King of Pro Wrestling. Uh, we're prob- it'll, it'll probably drop late because King of Pro Wrestling is on Monday. So it is? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's on Monday, so depending on how long the show is and if we can watch it in time, but it, more than likely we'll end up recording on Tuesday. So New Japan's not going to cut into my uh, weekend extracurriculars? <laughs> no. Doing some late night cardio <laughs> out on the streets of Rapongi. You know, I, I was trying to get out on the streets this week. I tried out that, that hinge the dating gimmick. What? Yeah, and, I, you know, I, <laughs> I I had a date lined up uh, for Wednesday night, but uh, I did a job, and she uh, she canceled. Oh, my God. T- taking the L. Why are we talking about this on the air? <laughs> tell me about this. <laughs> Yeah, cause it, it, it's a new development over the last few days. Yo, but. we need to have like a, a bit. It's like, young boy, Jeremy, take this. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, man, that's, that's hilarious. Bro. I was trying trying to get into a new territory, but you're trying to break 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 in. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it took took the L. Making the towns. Yeah, Jeremy <laughs> out here. <laughs> trying to shooter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Just pay attention to the feed. Subscribe. What and is Hinge? It's it's another one of these. It's like uh, what's it called? It's like the swipe left, bu- swipe right. What's it called? Like uh, Bumble, Tinder? Tinder, Bumble, that kind of stuff. But Tinder is like just what, like to hook up? It, it's more known for the hookup. Yeah. Isn't Hinge? No, uh, it all depends. It's, oh, okay. <laughs> it, you can use, there's more preferences and this stuff. Is the most interesting that's happened. The show, the whole- <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Uh, so yeah, make sure you subscribe and you'll you'll hear the king of uh, pro wrestling review. Um, yeah, and make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L Donovan. Uh, social suplex at social suplex. The show is at Ki Strong Style. On Facebook, we're on Facebook.com/slash social suplex. Also, you can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle, Facebook.com/slash group/slash Wrestling Squared Circle, and of course on Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy, and Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com if you want to send in questions or you want to write for Social Suplex. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. They just had a great episode this weekend uh, covering the uh, ratings in uh, WWE 2K19. Go check that out. Uh, the Rookie and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. The Outsider's Edge featuring uh, Rance. Carl and Kyle, and our indi- our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. They released their BOLA episode last week. That's good stuff. Check that out. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang! Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.